And hello, everybody. Welcome to Coco Talk with your special guest host today, Grant Leedy. Take it away, Grant. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, how's, how's it going, going everybody? everybody? We, we got, got Curtis, Curtis here today. today. Hello, everyone. We have, we have Mark. Mark. We have okay. David Ladd. Hello. And then, and then we, we have Ron in the Garage. Yeah. Ron the garage. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm big as my Ron. You can. <laughs> and, and then, then we, of course, we have Steve Stroh. Well, let's not forget Mr. Blue Sky oh, oh. over here. Yeah, I, forgot I forgot about, about him because they have, have a picture. picture. And yeah. the so, so, anyways, anyways I'm, I'm guest hosting today because Steve's having some bandwidth issues still ongoing. ongoing. The saga that, that keeps on going on week, week after week. week. But hopefully, hopefully it'll be uh, taken care, care of here, here next, next week. We need to switch to AT&T, AT hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> so, so, guys, what we want to talk about since we're kind of doing this on the fly today. Why don't we start by saying this is, the, this is the first time we've been live in probably three weeks because of my bandwidth, So, um, <laughs> which is good. And it's good that we have a backup now. So Grant is streaming from his house. And um, I'm actually calling in to him on Skype, and so it's still the same Skype call. It's just coming from a different place, and um, and it's nice to have a backup. So it's a real last-minute makeshift setup, but it's a halfway decent setup. And thank you, Grant, for doing this. And I'm glad we can still get together. And I'm glad that we are live again, finally. Um, it's been very um, frustrating not being live. Okay, John Linville is saying echo, echo, echo. Is anybody listening to the stream right now? Hold on. Oh, you know what? I know what the deal is. Hold on, Grant. Let me take a look at your XSplit. This is a freaking problem. This is a brand new installation of XSplit. Thank you, John. <laughs> okay, this is this is why it says I need somebody to watch the live chat. Uh, so we have to go to audio microphone. Uh, none default def microphone none. All right, that should fix that. Yeah, there's some. This is, um, yeah, this is X, but you don't have to make my face big. It's ugly. Take, take, <laughs> take me off the thing. Uh, and I'm buffering already, which is my bandwidth issue. Um, but okay, so yeah, so in the live chat, we have Coco Man says hi. We have Paco saying hello, everyone. We have John Linville saying echo, echo, echo. And we have Coco Man saying echo, echo. And then uh, we have Curtis saying hello, everyone. So yeah, somebody keep an eye on the live chat. Uh, and yeah, so this is makeshift, definitely makeshift, uh, but we're live. And uh, I'm going to shut up now because Grant's hosting the show. I apologize. <laughs> and so what we want to talk about, guys, anything new and exciting going on? Curtis? Not a whole lot. <laughs> I got my Force to Doom finally. Yes, actually, I got mine here a couple days ago myself. It's actually uh, it's quite addictive. Haven't gotten very far in it. Yeah, I have not. I have not touched my cocoa since Tandy Assembly, unfortunately. Um, so uh, that's on my plans. And then today just kind of went a little bit sideways for me. So it's high on my list to play Force of Doom on a real cocoa. Well, 
This is interesting I, watching it from the other side now. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, though, for everybody who's ordered Forest of Doom, is there anybody who still has not received the manual yet? I got mine on Tuesday. Got mine yesterday. David, when do you, you got get yours? mine Wednesday. Wednesday. I've got a personally autographed copy that I've had for several weeks now. Shut up, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Where's he live again? <laughs> Take us, off the, take us off the big screen, Grant. You click on me and Curtis and get everybody even. Unless we're the only ones with cameras, because now Ron's got a camera too, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dave, Mark, and Nick. You gotta, you gotta, yeah, you got to. It takes a while to manage screens, I think. Oh, there's Nick's face. Nick's face came up. At least he's on my side. Is Nick's face on your side? Nope. No, not on mine. That's weird. Like on my Skype, I see Nick's little pretty face there, but I don't see him on yours. Because he's yeah, I your see friend. him on mine, but I don't see him on the main one either. Hmm. So how do I take it back off of the you guys and put it back? Uh, I think you just have to selectively keep clicking on faces until everybody comes back in. Yep. Okay. There we go. It's kind of like musical chairs. And it's weird, too. It's backwards on my side, too. <laughs> Welcome to controlling a live show, Grant. <laughs> yeah. And the new producer here. <laughs> we set this up in about 15 to 20 minutes. So it was pretty, pretty quick. So how does everybody like Force to Doom, though? Is it? Uh, I think it's very, very addictive. It's very hard, mm -hmm. very yes, random. Random numbers suck. That's my basic premise on on Force to Doom. Random numbers suck. <laughs> we're, we're, yes. when we, were, we were talking on Discord in the car the other night, and I uh, remember like David yells out, "Oh no, I turned to stone." <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah, it was difficult. a drug reference, but okay. <laughs> it's difficult because you try to figure out, you know, is it better to try to fight first or fight a little bit and then try to bribe or you just run? But there's a lot of them running doesn't work. No. Yeah. And do you have to read the book? Is it that important to read the book or you do a Steve thing and just uh, throw the book aside and just start playing? <laughs> well, it's helpful because, <laughs> it helps. you know, yeah. yeah, like it says, a vampire is pretty much Im impervious to everything, so you just better run. Other things, some of them are in, um, incensed if you try to bribe them. So. And as you as you level up, though, I mean, you can kill a vampire in a single blow once you're like level five, six type thing. I've just had bad luck where I've 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 been wounded and I'm trying to make it to the end to get cured up, you know, and I'm level six or something, and all of a sudden I get attacked by like three dragons <laughs> and you can't run. <laughs> so I haven't won it yet, but I haven't had too much time to play it either. And has anybody played the uh, new game? Uh, is it called Lumberjack? I believe that's what it is, or Timberman. Timberman. That's it. Yes. I have not. I think Steve had a beta of it, didn't he? Yeah, I had, I had a uh, early release of it, and it's 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 good. It, and honestly, what because um, it's based on a smartphone game where you actually have to tap very quickly on two sides of the screen. So what's happening as you're chopping down a tree, the branches are coming lower, and you have to keep like switching sides so your head doesn't get hit by a branch, and it's all speed based. Mm. Um, but I was doing it with a um, deluxe joystick that was self-centering, so I was fighting the springs to get to each side and it was like impossible to play and as soon as i realized that i could go freewheeling on it and 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 just and it, it's literally it's a twitch game where you have to just like click 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 it's it was a whole nother game because before i couldn't get more than like 30 chops and i died then i was getting up to like the, the 200s um so it's just a really fast reflex game um you definitely break you but definitely wear out some buttons with that game <laughs> you have to hit the button and move the joystick simultaneously yeah you have to move the joystick to what side you want to chop from and then hit the button to chop Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. I thought I was just flicking the joystick back and forth. Yeah. So this is no, definitely no. not one recommended to play with a rollerball or anything. 
Mm. Well, I, do, I think I think the way he has it set to read the axis, um, it only reads like you know really far left and far right. So you probably could use a lot of different things, yeah. including a digital stick if necessary. I, I think so like a, a rollerball controller or a, a mouse would be a little bit too much lag time trying to get your <laughs> ball yeah. moved over. So I would think you'd overshoot probably with the ball. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm trying to watch the stream on mine. I can't even see the stream. So is anybody able to see the stream to make sure Grant's streaming good? Because I can't receive it. I am oh, seeing lag. And it's just doing the round circle thing. Nothing's happening. Uh, That's what I'm okay. seeing, too. Yeah, let's okay. see. It says the live stream is offline for me as well. All right, let me, let me see. Let me see. Mine doesn't say offline, but it's just lagging. But I get that normally. Yeah, I'm just getting the spinning dial thing, too. Here, I'll show you. Okay. John Lindsay John just, just confirmed that, yeah. Yep. All right, so let me see what's going on with Grant's. I know um, it's not the internet. <laughs> it's probably because of the GPU and CPU stuff. A lot of PUs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying I'm Talk to Bill a, about that one. Having a hard time seeing X split on Grant's computer right now. Grant's thing still says it's running. So your output, it says it's streaming, but um, I'm trying to lower the bandwidth on it. I mean, the the program says it's streaming, but the website doesn't. But we're still recording locally. So this is uh, what what the hell? Okay. Oh wait, I just got the stream on YouTube. Okay, stream just came back. Yep, mine did too. We're still recording. Yeah, so we're so you're still recording locally, right, Grant? On yeah. your X split. All right. So, all right. So for those of you who missed the stream, we were just um, we were just mentioning some of the games that we're talking about: uh, Forest of Doom, and then we were talking about uh, what was it, Timberman? Right. Yep. Yeah. And Can I guess get- Paul Thayer's already picked out his next project too, from the sound. Oh yeah. Now is Timberman available that. yet, or is it? Uh- Infamous game poll. Uh, what was the deal? He was doing pre-orders on that for the the SD card or whatever. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I think he was contacted by email. I haven't had a chance to do that yet, so I'm not sure what status is, is if it's shipping yet or not. But yeah, do we have a link for the pre-orders yet or anything like that? Does anybody know? Uh, I think he's asking people to email him, and maybe you yeah. PayPal him, and then he'll email you. There's a Facebook post, if I remember right. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember the details, but yeah, it was on Facebook. Cool. Any other new games coming out in the near future? As Ron is holding up a uh, Coco. Coco. <laughs> with a white keyboard. Yeah, somebody represent. She- yes, yes. <laughs> um, there was the, was it Pierre Surratt? The, um, oh, the new one? adventure game. Yeah. Yeah, I've been dying to look at that, too. The... Um, now, no offense, what are you drinking from the bottle there, Grant? Yeah. It's uh, Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Okay, look like a little mini bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> I'm like, Dude, come on, we're running a show here, brother. <laughs> That's what he's less stressed. When is that? When I see the square shaped bottle, I, first thing I think of is JD, you know? So, <laughs> it's like a little mini, little uh, airline uh, size. Straight up mix. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, now I know how, how stressed Steve gets now because this is stressful. <laughs> look how stressed Steve is. What happened to his hair? <laughs> 
And I was going to mention about the game, the adventure game, the graphical adventure game that Pierre put out. That it, it on the Coco, it feels a little bit unfinished because it was written originally for the Dragon, which has slightly larger disc drives, so it's split onto two discs. But when I tried it, he gives you a warning that you have to swap discs once you get to the end of a street. Well, if you haven't played the game before, you don't know when the end of the street is, and as soon as you hit that, the game just exits with an error if you don't swap the discs right at the right time. So it kind oh. of feels a bit unfinished at this point. Okay. For the Coco, anyway. I think the dragon fits on one disc image, so it doesn't have that problem. Okay. That's pretty cool. You walk around with the arrow keys and stuff, and you actually walk in front and behind things, kind of like the Sierra games go. Ooh. So it's, it's it's a pretty decent little graphic adventure game. Digitized sound effects as well. Mm-hmm. You open a car door, you hear it open, you hear the engine starting on the truck, that kind of thing. Well, let's get a playthrough here. Yeah, I've been okay, finished. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually reached out to, is it Pear? Or something yeah. like that. So I had, yeah, I had actually reached out to him, seeing if he wanted to do an interview about that. But he did mention that his um, his English is not the absolute best uh, as far as his speaking English. Um, but um, he wrote me a he wrote me a, a nice little letter. Um, oh, okay. So my camera just went cuckoo. I can switch. <laughs> I can switch my camera. I didn't realize I was running. Uh, let me let me try to pull that up. So you guys keep talking. I'll look for Paris' email. Okay. Uh, yeah, Syrian might be able to help you a little bit with um, talking about the game too, because he was testing it for um, Pear. I think earlier on the Dragon. Yeah. Okay. At least. Pear. P E R E. Serat. Pear. Yeah. Okay. So here's here was his little thing he wrote me. Um, he said that. Uh, Concerning the shark, it began as a challenge that the graphics designer put to me saying that this had never been done on the dragon and he wanted to see a short demo before drawing more scenes. Uh, I got to move Brody and he liked it, so the project begun. I had never ever programmed a code line on graphics nor sound and despite that I added a reduced wave player. Everything has been done as an exercise to learn Dragon hardware in deep. I am guilty of a few other projects too, so he's giving me a little short list here. So he's like, DOS Plus 5.0 extended that allows Dragon users to extend DriveWire files and disks natively and add support for the Magic Coco SDC that fla- that works flawlessly on the Dragon now. Um, I ported a Spectrum game called The Hobbit from Z80 to 6809, and it runs on the Coco and the Tano Dragon with 64K. Uh, he also says I converted the Orchestra 90 to the Dragon, um, which will work even without needing DOS at this point. And I've done some other minor projects in collaboration with Simon Jonasson, Stuart Orchard, and Tormod. So, um, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so, so Pear's been doing a lot of things. So, yeah, I had wrote to him saying, would you like to do an interview? And he just said, well, my, my speaking English isn't that good, but I'll be happy to write you something. So he wrote me a little email. So I thought that was cool. Cool. I still haven't tried The Hobbit yet, actually, so i gotta, yeah. I got to find a copy of that again. And I'm sure his speaking English is better than my foreign language of any other language <laughs> outside of English. Anyway, so. <laughs> nice picture there, Steve. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> Technology. What is what is uh, what is what is he holding up there? CompuServe ad by uh, looks of it. CompuServe, uh huh. The year two thousand. The world may catch up with the way CompuServe's new electronic mail lets you shop today. 
Oh, by the year 2000, huh? <laughs> by the year yeah. 2000, the world may catch up. Little did they know the internet actually was going to do that. Right. <laughs> and totally trounce CompuServe out of yeah, existence. I, I, I like that shirt there, Grant. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually, I forgot to put on my I'm a Coco, my Coco Talk shirt today. Um, so, yeah, I'm slacking. There's your mug. Let's, um, let me answer some shameful, some shameful plugs here. Here's some merchandise I'm holding up, too. I got my, uh, okay, of course, I can't even see my camera now. I don't know if my Skype is just flaked yeah. out on me. You just froze there for a second. Okay, so here's my two Coco mugs. I'm a Coco Nut, uh, the cartoon and the mug, right? Uh... Does Steve ISP thinks he's fixed now? Okay, Nick says I'm, get, I'm getting the occasional stutter. Yeah, now I'm actually getting a new ISP on Monday, so um, this is a makeshift show. I thought it'd be nice to try to do a live show. Probably looking back already, it's probably a, it was a terrible idea. <laughs> I have a picture of David Ladd. You have a picture of David Ladd? Yeah. Did you want to see? I'm it? so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the right there that yeah. David Ladd, like that mustache that's really good mm-hmm. <laughs> that's from Color Computer Magazine <laughs> David David's been infamous for decades for years apparently yeah yeah so Steve you're 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 switching to AT&T U-verse is that correct yeah, yeah. I'm not, Are you getting the fiber version or just the broadband? No, I don't. I, honestly, I don't know what I'm getting until they get on here. I'm just tired okay. of this thing not working. Whatever it is, I know it's not going to be as good as what I should have. But what I should have doesn't work. I just need something that works. Okay. I doubt. I'm. I was getting 25 megabits up before. I know I'm not going to get that. I'd be lucky to get 10. So whatever it's going to be, I'm. I'm going to be a little bit disappointed, but I'll just be happy if it's consistent. You know. Okay, no, maybe just, I'll, or maybe I'll just have to produce it from here and let you do the talking like you're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> Good old CenturyLink, huh? I, I have don't Google think Fiber. I have that down here. <laughs> yeah, Grant's got Google Fiber. YouTube just went spinning again. Yep. Man, so I'm going to grab a drink. I'll be back. Must all be right. a YouTube thing because we're all seeing the same thing. So. Yeah, that's yep. really weird because uh, I know it's not bandwidth. Unless it's the GPU. See, uh, see, make sure the local recording's still recording, Grant. Yeah, that's got a check mark still there. Well, thank God for recording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's. It's one of those things that it could just be the. Uh, GPU, because I know NVIDIA video card 750 and above comes with the NV encoder engine built right in, so. It's a hardware accelerated. Yep. So, software like Open Broadcaster Software, um, XSplit, can just just use it. Yeah, I wonder if it's the uh, GPU or something. It's really interesting. We'll have to get that updated this week. Hey, did you guys see um, that... Uh, the rainbow. Ron Klein has a Coco 3 with a pie in it. Mmm. Yep. 
and I think it's Chris Hawks of Hawksoft that makes the um, Coco 3 keyboard to USB adapter. I could stop shaking. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. That's all the JD. Yeah. All right. Well, it seems like the people who are watching it saying that it's stopping more than it's starting. So, do we want to? How can we check to see what's causing that? Or do we know? No, it's. I have no idea. Just went offline. Oh, there it's back. Are you running anything else in the background, Grant? You can kill off, or no? There is nothing else running. That might be the GPU then, if it can't render fast enough. Well, we'll get that replaced to here this week then, and that will solve that problem. Let's see something. I'm, try I'm trying to see your software. Can you? Um... I mean, I could kill my video so we have less one less video stream to encode. Yeah, I can kill mine too. It's kind of funny though. We both are having the same problem. Yeah, I want to take a look at the XSplit software on your computer right now. Okay. <clears throat> Which I can't see. Okay. So uh, let's close this. Yeah, so we're doing 720p at 30 frames per second. So, um, and I did the bandwidth test on your computer. Your computer is able to do the bandwidth. So, yeah, it's got to be the um, GPU can't keep up with the, with the scene as I'm looking at it here. I don't know what to do. So I guess the next question is, is do we, do we attempt to try to keep this live train wreck going? Or do we just stop and start over and record the show like we've done in the past? <laughs> well, right now, it seems to still be going. Like, since Ron and I both killed our cameras here, it looks like it's uh, uh, staying on. It's, I haven't got a stall since we did that. Yeah, it looks like it's keeping up. Yeah, Nick just said it's better. Nick Marota. Okay. That's what it was. Cool. All right. Yeah, then we'll find David. Uh, find me that link, and we'll get that ordered and get that replaced here this week. Look at this guy giving orders. It's first <laughs> first day of hosting a talk it's show. Going to his already head already. Blocking <laughs> out orders. Hey, Bring me. You were the one to put him in the seat of power. You know, <laughs> permanently replacing his host. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate everybody who's here watching the show. Um, I appreciate everybody who joins the show every week. It's you know, it's been a fun little project. It just—it's uh, been so frustrating to not be able to do this live and to have to deal with all these technical challenge. And even even today now, a little bit of a technical challenge. Yeah, but not bad because we just started this uh, literally about uh, forty-five minutes ago <laughs> when yeah, I got right? the phone call. Uh, yeah, it was like a last-minute thing. So, hey, Grant, you want to try to stream? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can throw something together. Um, yeah, I you think want to I talk think... about some content, you know, have something going on here. Yeah, I, I was surprised that um, the Coco 4 picture that I ran across um, evidently doesn't have anything in it. Oh, and, yeah, no, it's yeah. just a case, huh. a concept case, but it's a model one with a house on it. A model one because, like, a keyboard with a house on it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that picture that's floating around, um, I guess Boise and Bill got that for their book, right? Yeah, that was when they met with um, one of the Tandy guys down in Texas. I uh, can't remember which one it was now. He actually had the prototype still at home after he retired. Was there but any... It went I... past that stage. There was no motherboard design for it. 
basically Tandy axed the cocoa before it went any further than that concept case. So were they going to extend the gimme out? Were there thoughts like that? Or does anybody... Never got that far. No? All, all they did basically was they took the, the principle of the Tandy 1000 case with the built-in floppy drive and stuff and kind of said, that'd be cool to have on the cocoa. And then they never got past that point uh, to figure out you know if they're going to add a sound chip or serial port or, or what they were going to do with as far as the hardware. It never got that far. It got axed before that. That do you think that the do you think that the case was made so that you could put a monitor on top of it or I'm not sure if that was the actual design. I mean it probably would have worked as long as it didn't block heat vents. Um, I think it was more to make it an all in one where you didn't have this external, you know, floppy drive sitting on the side type thing because you know, people were going to the more compact designs with the Tandy EX, Tandy one thousand EX and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that was more the the goal at the time, but it like I said, it 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 barely got to that prototype case stage just to see how it would look, and then it was totally canceled. The entire cocoa line was canceled at that point, so it never went further. Well, the Tomcat and the uh, MM1 were supposedly, you know, next version of cocoa. But um, was there any other ones? Uh, there was a PT68 K4 which was an OS 9 6 8000 machine, but using PC hardware. So that XT slots and stuff, so you could actually use like VJ cards and stuff, um, running OSK. But those were all unofficial Cocoa 4s. That was the, the third-party manufacturers trying to come up with something to replace the Cocoa after Tandy Council. That, that prototype case was actually the very last thing that Tandy themselves did as far as the Cocoa line. Okay. Um, Is any I, of that stuff backward compatible with Coco at all? The Tomcat was somewhat, because uh, it actually used a gimme and it used the, the DAT board from the Dista 1 meg upgrade, also supported 1 meg RAM, had enhanced keyboard, using the AT keyboard, had enhanced uh, joystick and sound, 8-bit sound, 8-bit joystick reads. Um, but it was probably the closest, and there was a special version of Disk Basic for it, that Chris Burke did that you'd boot off flop and you could run some of your old basic programs and stuff too. And the others were all basically 68K machines. So they were the successors with OS 9. So if you're familiar with OS 9, it was basically, you know, the 68,000 version of OS 9. And then Kevin Darling actually made the uh, equivalent of MultiView ported over. But it, unless you were into OS 9, it wasn't backwards compatible with Disk Basic. So you had the Tomcat? Yeah, I have one still. Okay, and um, so when it ran... Coco stuff was it four times faster? No, um, it was basically the same specs as the the Coco three, except it had one meg of RAM as a as the default. And so then everything ran stick, Yeah, that's the same chips, uh, same CPU, same gimme, so basically the same limitations there. The sound and the uh, keyboard and the joystick ports were hardware enhanced, but as far as speed goes, no. I mean, I did put a six through nine in it because it was socketed, so it was nice. So I did run Nitrous 9. In fact, it was one of the main development systems, that one and Bill Nobles, uh, for making Nitrous 9 back in the early days of it. Neat. And speaking of the Nitrous 9, Curtis, how is the uh, the ease of use <laughs> Nitrous 9 project coming along? I wish I had ease of time to work on it. Um, <laughs> I, I did get a little bit done yesterday and today, but basically the rest of the week because I was on holidays for last weekend and then you know a bunch of work came in so I had to catch up all that stuff. So I'll be working on a bit more this hey. weekend. I'm hoping to get an early alpha to you and Steve uh, just to fiddle around with a little bit and give us some commentary on it. Um, but we're, we're still plugging away at it. Bill did some work on it last weekend a fair bit. So 
it's, it's slowly coming along. I did notice on the list, though, there was some talk about you know, making an ease of use version of OS 9, and it sounds like they don't have any clue we're doing this. Um, and they were also talking about you know making boot files, and we're kind of bypassing that a little bit by making just a standard boot yeah. for people to fiddle with. But I don't know that the list acknowledges the fact that things like podcasts and live streams exist because I was only or anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, hey Grant, why don't you run a commercial, and then I have a, an interesting little announcement to share, as well as uh, we'll do some uh, viewer feedback. All right, and I hit bumpers and commercials, correct? Mm-hmm. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on, everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro yeah, gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8 There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist You can get Ama Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pad. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. All right, we are back. Sorry. All right, Steve had an announcement. Yeah, so as far as our podcast, meaning the audio version of the show, we have now reached 3,000 downloads. So that's a pretty cool cool number to reach. And um, we are averaging uh, over 100 downloads per week. So we're averaging between 100 to 120 downloads per week on our episodes, in addition to the 100-plus views that we get. So, um, you know, we're in the 800 to 1,000 consumptions per month, which is pretty good. And I, have to yeah, say, so good. I just thought that reaching that 3,000 number was kind of a cool, um, cool milestone to reach. So yeah. is it too early for me to ask for a raise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we got some feedback on some of the most recent views on things. So, um, so yeah, one of the videos where I showed off my beard, I forgot which one that was. That might've been episode 32 hardware talk. Uh, Fedor, our friend in Denmark says there's some color artifacting around your mouth, Steve. So yeah, I have, um, Definitely shaved since then. It's not a good look for me. Um, Ed Servinsky mentioned that Disto is a Montreal company, which is um, when we were talking about hardware in a Disto memory. Yep. Uh, Jim Gary says, Steve Bjork uses BASIC. So <laughs> I don't remember when Steve, when Steve mentioned that, but he did. Um, on on the end of Coco Talk 32, when we had um, Ficecap join us, or maybe that was 31, when Ficecap joined us, Paul Fiscarelli, and that was 32, I get these numbers confused. So Paul had mentioned that he's going to do a blog, and he was inspired by Glenn Hewlett's blog. And Glenn watched the episode and responded. It says, hey, it's another great show, and I was really taken back when I heard Paul Fiscarelli talking about his amazing disk imaging tool, and he said he wanted to write a blog similar to mine. That was neat to hear that someone is looking at it, and even more so that it inspired someone to make their own. So that's cool. I think there's a lot of that inspiration um, being, you know, fueling other people to do things. And then last but not least, we got a message from James Jones on our hardware episode where he was talking about, because Curtis mentioned there was a bunch of different 
um, you know, Coco 4 contenders. He mentioned that the MM1B that Kevin Pays did, a 68,000 box that I think could take an ISA card. It ran OS 968K. Also, any of you have a Sardis Tech no-halt floppy controller? I have one, but I never got around to maxing the cache RAM. Do you guys know what about this Sardis Tech no-halt floppy yes. controller? Yes. Uh, Bill Noble actually owned one of them. Um, okay. They had an 8K cache or a 32K cache version of it. And basically, uh, with the uh, the cache, the size it had compared to, say, the Dista, which had a much smaller one, you could write entire tracks, format the drive with absolutely no pausing to the CPU whatsoever. Um, and directories would be instantaneous because it wouldn't even have to read the disk. It would just go, oh, that's still in the cache. So here you wow. go. It was quite, quite fast. Neat. Neat. So, yeah, that was cool. That was cool to reach that number, and it was cool to um, to get a little bit of feedback. Definitely. Yep. And uh, speaking of blogs, there if you're interested in IRQ programming on the Coco 1, 2, or 3, there is an excellent blog post by Glenn Hewlett put up here just in the last couple of days. Actually, which, five of them. Yeah, wow. well, yeah, one whole group basically explaining different parts of it. So I know Rick Adams said it was helpful for him for the new game he's working on because he was a little bit rusty on it. So uh, definitely worth a read. I took a look at it. It's quite quite good. Um, basically explains you know what are interrupts and then you know why would you use them and then some sample code showing you how to use them in basic as a background task in basic or just uh, you know with the game on your own or whatever quite a, quite a good read we have interrupts here don't we <laughs> yeah YouTube's one big interrupt but <laughs> yeah. are we still streaming on YouTube Looks like it. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's still going good. So I think the bandwidth with all the different videos we had going, I think, was part of the problem. Which points to the video card. Yeah, which we'll get that updated. So that's yeah. hopefully resolved that issue. So. And Nick Maroda in the uh, live stream is saying that you're making me upset. I got rid of my Coco 2 and broken Coco 3. Um, so it's never too late to get another Coco, though, right? Yep. Have you got your Coco 3 yet? All right. <laughs> And just to let you know, I was on eBay, and there's a lot of good stuff on there right now. Somebody must have got a big lot and sold a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And they were not too uh, too outrageous either. I think I saw a Coco 3 for like under 100 bucks. Wow. wow. Which is very unusual. Yeah. I've been watching things, but I haven't, um, I haven't been bidding on too many things. Matter of fact, the only thing I bid on that I actually won is I got, a, um, I got an Intellivision. I was looking for a Tandy Vision because they actually had a Tandy Vision, which was Radio Shack's rebranded version of the Intellivision. Yep. But I, I lost a bit on that one. But I did get an Intellivision with the synthesizer module. And I think I got it for 40 bucks. I was like, yeah, that's a good deal. So, The Tandy Vision, that was the one that was done in the wood grain finish, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Reitveld, uh, Henry Reitveld had posted a video of that. There was, actual, there was a game for it he posted because it was called Bomb Squad. So there was a game for the Intellivision <laughs> called Bomb Squad, and it used the speech synthesizer. So he had posted a video of that in the um, in the Facebook group, I think. Okay, I think I did see that actually. Yeah, so that was kind of funny. Were there a lot of games for the Tandyvision? Well, yeah, the Intellivision was, library, basically. It was Intellivision. Tandyvision was the Intellivision, just branded by Tandy. So uh, there was, pro yeah, there had to be easily like a fifty to hundred games. Yeah, I think closer to hundred from what I remember. Yeah, I'm hoping they're going to have something like a Coco SDC where I can buy the multi-cart and 
put in an SD card and just load ROMs off it or something like that. Yeah, I know there was an all-in-one little console like you've seen for the Atari 26 and the Commodore 64. Yeah, yeah. There was an Intellivision one out with all the game library on it. Yeah. So imagine there is. Yeah, the television had a really unique controller because it was kind of like this disc that you had to yeah, push on. Yeah, the 16-direction disc thing you pressed yeah. on, and then you had a keypad, too, like the ColecoVision later did. Yeah, so it was definitely uncommon. And I believe that, um, you know, I think that, that probably hurt it because I don't think most people were used to with that, you know. No. I remember actually back in the day they had this little disc with a little stick sticking out of it that you would basically glue onto that controller. Oh, you could stick like onto stick. it, yeah, turn it into yeah. a stick, right? Yeah. But it didn't tilt that much, so it didn't really play that well. I did try it back in the day. But they were the first video game console, I think, to have a speech pack. I don't might have been by then. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like that synthesizer had some program of ability to it so it wasn't always the same voice yeah i did some pitch changes you could do to it mm. and also i mean compared to the the other main machine at the time which would have been the atari 2600 definitely had better graphics capability yeah higher resolution better looking sprites more sprites on the screen and um a little bit better music too yeah nick marota saying that the controllers also had those coily cords like yes. old phones yeah yeah, because that was one of the things when we interviewed Dale Lair, what he was saying, that um, that the Intellivision baseball at the time was kind of the gold standard for a home computer baseball game, so he wanted to show that we could do something better than that. Um, I remember the big, uh, was it George Plimpton that used to plug all the Intellivision yeah, sports yeah, games versus yeah. Atari's? Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and it did have better graphics. But it was weird. If, if you've seen those games, it's like it had a built-in character set, but they were really blocky-looking yes. characters. They weren't. It wasn't like actual ASCII fonts like you're used to on a PC or anything. So they were really blocky, um, and that was this character set that was used for pretty much everything. Um, it was just an interesting. I, I think it, it. They could have done better if they had more commercial titles. I just think that even though it was a better piece of hardware, they didn't get a lot of like popular games for it you know so no i mean uh, they had the nice dungeons and dragons series the official license one and, and a few other specialty ones but yeah i mean i think the controller was part of the problem because i mean for playing a lot of the twitch arcade games it it just didn't lend itself well to that yeah and then basically once the ColecoVision came out that was the end of television yeah yeah, yeah. steve do you want to tell everybody what you've been doing with your other channels uh, I don't know. I think I've already mentioned it, but um, I'm uh, yeah. Why don't you remind me? Because I forgot <laughs> <laughs> about how you're rebranding your ch uh, channels to uh, reflect like 21st century gaming and retro gaming, and then the cocoa. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a plug. It's a plug. Yes, yes, yeah. That's the most enthusiastic commercial I've ever heard. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's tired. Yeah, I am tired. I was, that's why. That's one, another reason besides bandwidth. I wasn't even planning on being awake this long because I got like four <laughs> hours of sleep. But um, yeah, and and part of you know the bandwidth has been a challenge. But um, uh, my original gamer channel is going to feature only retro games. Uh, there's a new Coco channel that this live stream is on that's going to feature nothing but Coco. And then any new games, like especially Minecraft or any newer modern PC games, I have a channel for that called 21st Century Games. So I've got the original gamer channel that's, you know, 
70s, 80s, and 90s video games. I've got the Coco channel, which will be all Coco. And then I have a new game channel. Uh, and eventually I hope to have a different talk show on each channel. So Coco Talk will have something similar to Coco Talk on the Retro channel. That will be called Retro Talk. And then later on we'll have something on the 21st century gaming that we'll just call Gaming Talk or something like that. So we'll have different talk shows that cater to different demographics as far as you know fans and genres of different styles of games and periods of games and stuff. Now, are you, are you going to be doing any crossover between the Coco and the Retro or are you keeping those completely separate? Uh, I think, well, I was thinking about that. I'll try not to as much as possible, but I think something like the Steve Bjork interview probably needs to be posted on both channels because he, he kind of crosses over. Okay. But I think, I mean, Coco Talk is going to stay on Coco channel. Like, Retro Talk will, you know, mostly be retro, but if it if it makes sense to be on both, uh, then it'll be on both. Okay, because I thought if you do some comparison videos, say you want to do official adaptations of Rampage, and you do the Coco one and the... You know, the oh, yeah, yeah, the like, like, the, like the showcase that we've done before. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, yeah, so if, 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 yeah, so if the goal is to show a Coco game compared to other systems, then that would end up at least on the Coco channel, if not both, yeah. Okay, cool. Now, uh, one thing I did want to mention, um, and I know Grant's downloaded, I've downloaded, I've had a chance to look at it, is that the complete Color Computer Archive has been updated, uh, where you can download one zip that basically has everything uh, Coco-related. And Grant, you've actually had a chance to look at it, so do you know what all is on there? Is it manuals and stuff, too, or just disk images, or what? It's Well, first of all, it's pretty much a... Uh, you just download it, unzip it, and then just put it over onto your SD card, and then you put it right into your SDC, boot up your computer, and it boots into the um, uh, Cocoa Explorer. And then you just click like you do on anything else. It has everything. I mean, it, it has the rainbow on tape, the rainbow on disc, it has the all the games, utilities... Um, I believe it even has like the old uh, OS 9 level 1 stuff. I mean, it's, from what I read, it's basically everything that's on the Coco Archive, with the exception of the PDFs, uh, of the manuals and the magazines and so forth like that. So anything program-wise, it's on there. Okay, that's cool. Because I, I did pick up the hardware version of it at the Fest a couple years ago. I can't remember who, who was selling it, but it was basically a, a USB memory stick built into a cassette tape with the old Radio Shack box. And it was a copy of the archive as of, you know, 2014, 2015 type thing. And, and now this has been updated because there's been quite a few right, other things right. that have been added to it and, and new stuff mm -hmm. that's come out. So uh, I just want to get back to eBay real quick because Grant was mentioning something. There's an item that I put on my watch list I just got notified of, and it's a, actually a pretty good deal. For somebody who's looking for a speech and sound pack, there's a person who's it's selling actually two cartridges. So it's the speech and sound pack and a direct connect modem pack. And currently the price is $45.86 with $12 shipping. So for about 60 bucks, you can get a speech sound pack and a modem pack. Um, although I don't know if anybody's got auto bidding on here. But you might want to look for that for, for somebody who's looking for the actual speech sound pack. There's one on eBay right now that's going to uh, go off the market in four hours. Okay, and just to mention too, the modem pack by itself isn't incredibly useful because it's a 300 baud modem, mm -hmm. but there is a hardware modification because it actually has the 6551 chip in it that you can modify it to become an RS-232 pack, and then you can use it as a 19.2 kilobaud serial port, and you can add a terminal or a PC or something and actually log into the Coco or transfer files back and forth or whatever you want. Yeah, neat. A little bit of hackery there. <laughs> David, you're awfully quiet today. 
I haven't had much to say yet. <laughs> well, I'm about ready to ask you a question here in a minute, so be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> You're on I'm sorry, standby. Curtis. Were you, you going to say, Curtis? No, I basically had finished. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun like, setting up a multi-user terminal system with Nitrous 9 there. I know Bill and I did it in the day, yeah. but a few other people have done it too. So that's a nice cheap way to get in if you can get both packs for that price. That's right. Well, getting back to speaking about the uh, Coco library and the Coco SDC, this was something that we were hoping to do today. Um, if I was going to be recording the show, which I am not recording the show, but David and I are overdue for an updated video on um, updating the Coco SDC Flash and DOS and firmware and, and SDC Explorer and stuff. So hopefully we'll get to one of those in the near future. Um, Indeed. Yeah. I might have to wait till after Monday when I get my new internet. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. But not having a reliable internet's put a damper in a lot of things. <laughs> oh, no, I under I understand that. <laughs> Does that mean David can finally beat you at games though? That was easy. He, he was able to do uh, that before. I was going to say Chris I was already kicking his ass most of the time. <laughs> so now it's really unfair is what you're telling me. <laughs> Good time. So who's more of a rage quitter, you or Steve? David or Steve? Um, I'd say Steve's I'd... more rage quitter and David's more a girly screamer. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is wrong, Curtis. That is so... <laughs> he told you that in confidence. <laughs> no, I just witnessed it every time I watched the two of them play. That That is very true. That is very true. <laughs> Steve, Steve, Steve wouldn't want to play Battlefield with me. <laughs> what game is Sue Ellen featured in? Dallas Quest. Yes. Oh wow. That's Sue a good trivia time. That's a good game. Is it yep. really? Part partly written with by Steve Bjork as well as a couple other of the Datasoft guys. Yeah, oh, really? all I, I remember was the title screen with the music and everything. Do 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 do. Yeah, the second yeah. of their animated adventure series after Sands of Egypt. Okay. Other than the title screen, I don't remember the game. I don't know if I ever played it or played it very long. Oh, Did I... anybody send nasty messages to Sue Ellen? <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> if I remember correctly, the game does react to swear words. Yeah, it does. Wow. In what sort of way? Well, I'll let you play and find out. Yeah. No well, spoilers here. Well, let's take this down the rabbit hole even further. Were there ever any adult-only games for the Coco? Yes. Oh, okay. Jeez. I didn't know. <laughs> Did not hesitate to say yes. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't one of them called like Madame Rosa's Massage Parlor or something like that? That was one. Wet T-shirt contest was another. There was a series of four text adventure games by Tech was the name of the company. They did adult text adventure games, and then there was a strip poker game, graphical but fairly low res. There was that um, one that Boise was playing last year. That guessing the random number thing where you're trying to get the strip tees uh, to go unlock the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Nick Mariota said Leisure Shoot Larry. Yeah, for the Coco oh, yeah. Three. That's yeah. true. The strip poker sure game was well. Yeah, I, I, I was a reviewer. That's what we'll say. <laughs> yeah, that's a way. Oh, out. so it was professional. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, I was he, was, he was doing research for the website. Actually, <laughs> Steve has played one, too, if you remember King Dong. King Dong, yeah. Oh somebody, <laughs> somebody hacked the Donkey Kong game to have uh, <laughs> pornographic imagery. So, I'm sorry um, I mentioned Sue Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> that That's was a rabbit right. hole, right? Yeah, yeah, but we needed filler, so yeah, it was good. Good move, Ron. <laughs> Thumbs up. Might get an explicit tag on iTunes now, but yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we'll go ahead and break for a commercial here, and then I'll ask David a question here that uh, I think that we need a answer to because I was kind of surprised that uh, people had questions on this. So we'll be right back after this message from. Whoever's hey, this Nobody is Bruce Moore, author of Force of Doom, and you're watching the original gamer Stevie Strope. Only the bravest souls enter. Only the most cunning return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter, stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom. For the tiny color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. All right, we are back now. What a great job with your transitions there, Grant. I'm <laughs> really impressed. So, David, I have a question for you. I think that everybody, um, some people were asking today about how to use Discord and how to use it properly. Since we're kind of switching off of Skype for our day-to-day -day, uh, chats and we're switching over to Discord, um, do you want to tell us about how to use Discord, where to download it? What well, advantages over Skype are? For well, this? Discord um, originally was made for gamers. So therefore, its system impact is minimal. Because obviously you want all your CPU power to go to the games, not the communications app. Um, so that's a big advantage. Um, Skype is very... Um, hoggish, <clears throat> um, but as far as using Discord, um, its functionality is similar to Skype, um, except in the way that the fact that you have, when you join a server, like what we've got for the CocoTalk people, that um, if you want to talk to other people, you just join a voice channel and people join. You don't call people. It's just you see people chatting, you jump in and join the conversation, and if you're tired and want to leave, you leave. It's just, you know, simple. Kind of like what I did last night when you guys were talking about OS 9. <laughs> oh, God, that was terrible. <laughs> um, Sorry, I missed but, it. Oh, it was terrible, <laughs> trust me. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> now, one of the features I like is... Um, an option that's called tagging where if you're you're in the text chat and you want to tag someone you can do the at symbol and then um, a part of their first name and it'll pop up and then you can hit tab and it'll auto complete 
that was something that was removed from Skype for the desktop versions, which annoyed me a lot. Yeah, annoys me too. Um, so, but it's, it's, otherwise, usability is pretty much like any other instant messenger client. Um, so you can directly message people, um, as long as they're on your friends list. Uh, if you want to do voice and video calls or screen shares, currently you can only do it as what they call direct messaging. So that's where you can have up to 10 people in a direct call group. But unfortunately, that's it. 10 people. So, but as far as audio, I don't think there's a cap for no. the server groups. So, no. And that's why we didn't switch to it for Cocoa Talk. We were hoping to switch over to it for Cocoa Talk, but um, if you're going to include video, the only way you can include video is with a like kind of a private call or a direct message, and there's a 10-person cap on that whole conversation, and we've had more than 10 people in Cocoa Talk. So we couldn't use it for that. And we also found that it was a little tiny bit um, sketchy on the video. Like sometimes the video would like break up into pieces and stuff and kind of come and go. Um, but they did add, they did add video though for the uh, cell phones this for the week. mobile device yeah yeah just this past week yeah I I think it's a great tool and we're using it quite a bit and I like the fact that you can have different conversations in different rooms so it's almost like an IRC chat where you've got different you know rooms to chat in um, so it's not one long conversation like we had in Skype Skype was just one long conversation and I do like the ability to organize. We can you can chat in general if it's stream of consciousness, or you can you know have one for hardware or whatever the case may be. So, um, <clears throat> I think this, the the um, the algorithms and the compression technology is definitely superior to Skype's. I think on the audio, yeah, yeah. I think the video the still audio. needs a bit of catch yeah, up. Yeah, video yeah. video needs some work, but the audio is real clean. Definitely, system resources are much less. Well, I was going to ask about that because I thought Syrian had mentioned that on Linux it actually is quite the resource hog. Um, anybody else try that? Hey, I just want to say, Curtis, you have to start calling him Karen because it's a oh, hard Karen? Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. been, it's been that way <laughs> yeah. since he was born. Damn, foreigners. <laughs> yep. I've, I've, I've just been patiently hoping that Kieran would tell you that. but He has, he has <laughs> once or twice, but in his very polite British way. <laughs> <laughs> um. But it's yeah, Discord is I prefer it over TeamSpeak or Ventrilo, which are other really old PC gamer communications apps. So, but is anybody like David? You use Linux somewhat, so is it is it laggy on Linux compared to the other platforms like um, or more the, memory intensive or something? The one laptop I have Linux on, I can't install it on because it's only thirty-two bit, and Discord is sixty-four bit. So, I'm in the same boat as Brett, who can't use it on his laptop. So, um, okay. Because I remember Kieran had mentioned that uh, yeah. it was quite the pig on his his Linux system. Yeah, uh, maybe Jim that's Bra just not. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Brain is with us in the uh, text chat. Retro Innovations is in. Brian Joyce has joined us from Australia as well. Good eye, Brian. Has Jim started trolling yet, or? Yeah, Jim's been trolling. <laughs> 
Jim's so basically, Discord is something we would like to switch to if two things are solved. One, the um, the video compression has to be a little bit better because it was breaking up a fair bit when we tried it, and two, the ten person limit. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's 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 much cleaner sound, etc. So oh. hopefully they there. And the categories are very helpful as far as uh, conversations. Yeah, for those who choose to actually pay attention to them. Yeah, well, that's the problem. You get started on talking, and then all of a sudden you branch to a separate subject. What do you have to do? Suddenly switch rooms? That's not how a conversation works. Which is why the stream of conscious with Skype never bothered me as much as it bothers Steve and you know these other OCD people. Yeah, <laughs> it bothers me. Yeah, just just you talking about it bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Discord, since we're actually not doing any video at all we probably could be on discord right now <laughs> technically uh, probably could have yeah and it would literally be a coco talk because all we'd be doing would be talking <laughs> yeah yeah um so was jim there for a minute and then gone i think grant tried to add him but jim might not be in a position to actually join the skype call that might be why he's trolling the chat <laughs> But as far as clients, which is another nice thing, uh, Discord is on Mac, Windows, Android, iOS, and Linux. So and you can you can also do the browser-based version of it too, which is actually very very functional. Yes, yes, you can use the browser. Is it working the Cocoa yet? <laughs> it's low bandwidth. As it might work off of that 300 baud modem pack. Yeah, there we go. Jim, well, Jim is trying to join us. It looks like. Okay, so. you want to try to bring Jim back in, Grant? He says he'll try dialing back in. Hi, Jim. Hey. Welcome to Coco Coco Talk. I'll be I'll be I'll be happy to be here happy to be here at Cuckoo Cuckoo Talk. Cuckoo for Coco Talk. That's right. It's Cuckoo. Um, David, did you actually want to do that tech question we've been talking about for the last month? Oh, the one about the emulators. Yeah. Um. Well, one of the things that. We've been discussing is what are the pit certain limitations or pitfalls of the different emulators. Um, right now, for sure, VCC is probably the one with the most issues I can think of. Um, uh, quite a few 6309 instructions that are not implemented, which Wayne Campbell ran into with his um, basic 09 stuff when he ran into some of the math stuff. Um, yeah, I've hit it a few times too, trying to do stuff too. So, did you say meth stuff? Math. <laughs> oh, math. M A T H. Okay. Get get the drugs out of your mind, Steve. Um, let's see here. The other other thing that VCC has an issue with, which I've noticed accidentally, was the gimme hardware fonts. Not all of them are implemented in the VCC. So. That's another annoyance. Um, There's occasional palette issues, too, because like, we've been fiddling with the ease of use OS 9, and it boots up with the wrong colors compared to other emulators or the real hardware. Yep, the VDG palettes that you would, could control with the real Coco or MAME don't show up right with VCC. Um, and that's whether it's 1.43 or the 2.01 release. So, I yeah, I can't. 
I can't think of what else offhand VCC has issues with. Um, but those are the main ones that I can think of offhand. Um, MAME, um, I really do not like the, the keyboard translation that they do. For if you want the natural keyboard layout, yeah, I don't like how MAME does it. Well, both of them actually have problems too. Like in OS 9, Nitrous 9, there's quite a few programs that use alt keys and control keys and everything else. And the defaults on both of those basically disable a good chunk of them. <laughs> so it's well, kind of in the ass to set it up properly. Yeah, the alt keys, unfortunately, because of, like for instance, Windows, there's so many of the system native alt functions that you just can't get around. So yeah. it's... You almost need an alt to the alt key. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, but uh, MAME right now, other than the ergonomic or the natural keyboard layouts, um, I don't think I've ran into any current bugs um, other than the floppy, the floppy um, interleave issue, which I don't know if they'll ever get get around to that because that's a low priority issue it yeah. just makes games load really slow but it works um, yeah. and one thing to mention about MAME MAME is actively developed which VCC unfortunately at this point is not but it's also a, a multi-system emulator so people can change you know various support chips that Coco uses for some other machine and they sometimes don't fully debug all the machines that share that hardware so every once in a while you get a MAME release that suddenly breaks something that worked perfectly fine, and that's something to be forewarned about. If you keep your MAME up to date, you may have encountered where it actually breaks it until the next release, or you have to go back a release to get it to function again. So that's a big warning to people that are kind of dependent on it. I, I think the main reason we wanted to talk about some of this stuff is that a lot of people are doing development on some of these other emulators, because it's easier to set up, and you can run on your main PC with a nice big keyboard and a ton of storage. But you should always test your code on a, on the real hardware because there's some stuff that the emulators let slide through that won't really work, um, or you know have bugs in it, etc. So that's the main reason to go through the, all of this. Yeah, Rick Adams started off with that when he was doing Bomb Threat. He had a couple issues. Um, Glenn Hewlett had to update Pac-Man when uh, Nick Morantes pointed out about some gimme sparkly features and stuff. So there's a there's a handful of things, and VCC was the worst of them all in the sense that it was very forgiving. It would let things happen that just would not happen on real hardware at all. Yeah, like uh, semi-graphics for a Coco 1 and 2 game, I think it'd let goals go through, and that doesn't work at all in a yeah. real Coco 3. And then X were Kieran was mentioning there's a bug he was talking about. I don't remember what it is. Do you remember what that was, Dave? Um, I know he'd been working on some stuff with floppy stuff. I think he had gotten that fixed. I know the 6309 support um, wasn't fully working because I know the nit the Nitrous 9 level 1 uh, 6309 builds don't work on XROAR. Um, the Coco itself doesn't crash. The whole emulator crashes. So, <laughs> so it's uh, but otherwise... You know, that's right now for me, for what I've tested in in XROAR, that's pretty much the only issue I know of in XROAR. Yeah, that and no Coco 3 support yet. Well, right. that's... <laughs> That'd be nice if that ever happens. Yeah, because he, he keeps it active and up to date, and he's not dependent on 
a thousand other developers modifying drivers under right. you. <laughs> so it'd be nice if you could. But it, that's that's a lot to take on. Yeah, Brian Joyce in the live chat saying that he has his Cocoa Pie and it works very well. He set his up this week. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's actually a link on a website, amacoconut.com, where you can download. I don't know if um, Ron Klein has updated all the FTP mirrors yet. But Ron Klein's maintaining the image to download to a micro SD card to put in a Raspberry Pi 3 to make it a Cocoa Pie. And it's an optimized installation that runs primarily MAME with um, the stuff for the Cocoa. It has built-in DriveWire and a bunch of other things. So uh, we're rel- definitely hoping to get a hold of Ron. I've only been you know, trying to do this for, I don't know, five months now, <laughs> it feels like. But Ron Klein is kind of the man behind that. So I, I don't want to talk about Cocoa Pie until I can have Ron as part of the uh, part of the discussion, because I'm just going to screw it up. Um, but it's a neat project, and I can't wait to show it off properly with Ron's help. Yeah, um, it's a cool thing. It's kind of like if anybody's familiar with the RetroPie project, um, this is like a RetroPie for uh, the Coco. You know, it doesn't have the GUI menu, but it's a similar concept. Is that Richard Lorbieski in a? Freaking construction hat? Is he like? Has he just got done working for yes. the village people today? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Richard. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. <laughs> no, Steve. No. <laughs> um, the other thing that I want to say that uh, Ron did just recently upload a updated image, so. And it's based on the Raspbian Stretch instead of Jesse. So. Okay, so you have to update your basic uh, OS. Or does the yes. image have everything? Does the image have the, the OS on it too? Yes. Okay. So, so before, do... yeah, before you update, you have to back up anything that you have on the the SD card that you've uh, put on yeah. it personally, like documents, um, disk images, ROMs, um, right. and. Okay. And if you're developing on on the Pi, then obviously you want to back up your source code. And right, right. But yeah, Rick Adams has been make, make, you know really developed uh, Bomb Threat on the uh, Raspberry Pi, and so a lot of Rick's development process has been incorporated in this latest build from Ron Klein, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I've been using a Raspberry Pi for the last three years for doing pretty much everything with the Nitrous 9 repository and the uh, Toolshed project because it's since it's running Linux and most of Mm -hmm. the repository is more friendly for those environments. Windows, you kind of have to do some fudgy stuff to work with the projects and for $35 the Raspberry Pi is It's a neat little machine. Yeah, and by far the cheapest um, development system that you could play with. So, okay. Hello, Wayne. I'm on this on my phone, and I didn't want to be on my phone. I wanted to be on my computer. I'm going to end this call and keep trying to get on on my computer. All right. Good luck with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gotta remember how to get out of this. <laughs> you can click on his face and hit hang up, Grant, if you want. A little red hang up button, I think, right under his face there. Oh no, he hung up on all of us. 
<laughs> no, I was being very careful there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I guess the, the point on the emulators, and I, I guess, would you consider the Pi a hardware emulator type thing? Because that's still running MAME, right? Yeah, it's running it's, MAME. It's still a software game. Um, so that's just one of the things that you'll have to get used to since it's no, even though that the Pi is it's a microcomputer, but it's using an ARM CPU. But you know, yeah, Mame, I believe XROR is on there. So there's an MC10 emulator on there too. Yep. And he's also running a DriveWire server on the Cocoa Pi and the other server thingy that works for the MC10 expander upgrade. I forgot what that's called, but um. It's kind of like drive wire for the MC10. And it has no name. problems keeping up speed-wise? Like, I know the, the Pi's a little bit slower than a modern PC. It, it keeps up yeah, like the emulation fine? I, when I was showing it to you guys at one time, I was running Popstar Pilot on it, and the hardware scrolling seemed to be pretty smooth. Okay, so cool. I, I would say it's, it's, it's good enough. And yeah, is, okay. is, is it got the latest version of MAME, too? It keeps up with the main well, MAME distribution? Well, Ron, Ron maintains it. Ron, Ron's maintaining everything that's on it on the image. You download the image from from one of our three FTP links, which are on my site, amacoconut.com. Rick Adams is hosting one. I'm hosting one. Simon Jonasson's hosting one. So we've got two U.S. and one European um, link on there. Um, Ron maintains it, and Ron has everything... Uh, to where it needs to be and has everything optimized. So all you got to do is just download that image and just burn the image onto a micro SD and you're good to go. Although it's, you know, a few more. Okay, Barry Nelson's trying to call me. I don't know if you want to try to add Barry to the call, uh, if you're friends with Barry or not. I don't know if I can add Barry to the group call. Let me see. I have an option here. Here, I just, add, I just tried adding Barry to the group call. Cool. I think... I think anybody can add anybody to the okay. group calls. So, yeah. Hello. The person that originated the call, or you know, everybody called. If they drop out, it still holds until the last person's gone. So, there we go. Grant's doing a heck of a job juggling Skype. <laughs> it's a lot yeah, of work I, juggling the Skype calls, isn't it? Yes, I will. I completely agree. I understand exactly what you go through now. It's it's not easy. <laughs> Yeah, and trying to talk and keep track of the conversation at the same time, that's really hard. Juggle Skype, watch the stream, watch the people chatting. <laughs> you really try, do need a producer. You try, really do. Try, yeah. try to pay attention to what the people are saying. It's a, I'm, I'm having a hell of a time here just sitting back watching this train wreck. <laughs> you know, continue to screech off the rails here. <laughs> so, so, so is our topic of today Skype calls? I didn't know Coco's could do Skype. <laughs> Well, we could yeah. talk about faces. Mine's the only Coco-generated face. Yeah, yeah, true. Look at that. Uh -huh. Look like Al Pacino in that picture there. Yeah, I did on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Just call me Paco. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. So what is our topic of discussion for, for this weekend? It's totally up to you. You have the floor. <laughs> There wasn't any fixed topic for the general show yeah. this week. We if didn't we know if it was going to be happening with, with some of the issues that Steve's been having with bandwidth. If we could show um, the stuff on the internet, you could go through the uh, show us your Tandy Color Computer uh, thing, you know, group, and then you could see all the people that uh, have posted their c color computers. 
which is kind of fun to look at. Uh, somebody would have to do a screen share, and then Grant would have to make that full screen. So whoever whoever is able to do that and do a screen share, can um, do Grant, it. Grant could do it. My, my my stuff is way too messy because the joysticks and everything are scattered all over the place, and yeah, yeah. so that's a no. Yeah. Okay. Here's if Discord bit. has a problem right now. So I've I been. I've been uh, posting to the uh, the Facebook groups and whatnot to trying to help some people out getting some stuff running. There's been some people trying to get some old OS9 games running. And I've been able to provide them with uh, with builds of uh, discs and whatnot. And, and, uh, and actually one of my, my large uh, virtual hard drives that's allowed them to get most of their OS9 stuff running on Nitro9. Cool. With, um, with unfortunately one notable exception. Cavewalker. Yep. <laughs> What's the story with that? Why is that so hard? They cheated. They're diddling with the hardware directly. Diddling yeah, right in the clock. <laughs> they they apparently turn on an IRQ, and on uh, regular OS nine, it apparently has an undocumented intercept for that IRQ. From what I gather, Nitrous 9 doesn't understand what to do when this IRQ goes off, and it goes off into La La Land. Yep, it gets stuck in an infinite loop from what David and I were testing it. Hmm. So what, what does OS 9 do with that uh, with that signal when it gets it? I, I have to go back through the original source, if I even still have it, to see what, what got changed. Uh, I know Alan did a lot of optimizations on the uh, IRQ handling routines in nitrous to speed up system calls and maybe he inadvertently took some backwards compatibility stuff out not thinking it was needed mm -hmm. well so far it's only been used for this one game but i would sort of like to figure out what its major malfunction is interestingly it runs on vcc but not on mame or real hardware that was part of what we are discussing as part of the tech talk was, you know, the differences yeah. between emulators and how they actually react compared to the real thing. And there's another example I'd forgotten about. Right. And I just want to throw something out there, Barry, because you asked the question. When you want to know what our topic is, honestly, you need to be in our Discord channel because we talk about our topics and our show times all throughout the week. And we've got lots of discussions going on. So if you actually wanted to know what the show is going to be about before the show started, that's kind of where you need to be. It's, it's need to be in our Discord chat. That's that's a small problem because they don't have Discord. Uh, it's a free download. <laughs> well, yeah, that doesn't mean I have enough social media stuff already that I've been yeah. roped into. Yeah, but um, or at least monitor the Skype conversation too, and maybe throw a question out there in the Skype group, and we can try to keep you up to speed. But yeah, we we do try to plan and discuss these things all throughout the week, and so most of us are on the are on the on the right page when we go live. Um, but yeah, this week in particular, there wasn't necessarily a topic, and I wasn't even sure if we were going to have a live show. And, and actually, Grant is streaming the show from his house. So I, I, uh, I know you were certainly having some issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I continue to have. So and hopefully those <laughs> issues will be behind us soon. And then I have the, the, the so since since Barry's parrot is not here today, I have my death cat in here whining. So <laughs> my, parrot, my parrot is here. He's just sleeping. Oh, okay. At the moment. 
Okay. <laughs> let me let me let this. He may wake evening. up at any point in time, so any yeah. portion of the show may be monitored or recorded <laughs> for quality assurance. <laughs> I'm gonna let the demon cat out. I'll be right back. <laughs> Hello, my name is Grant Leedy, and thank you for watching the Coco Talk with your host Stevie Stroh. You got your Coco Three yet? What's going on everybody? The original gamer Stevie Stroh here and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you gotta visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your Tandy Color Computer Links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com. That's I-M-A. Coconut.com. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Coco forever, people. Yeah. Steve's not coming back. It looks like. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I, was, I forgot to just let you guys know. I'm gonna go ahead and sign off the call. I'm. I'm glad I'm actually stayed awake an hour and fifteen minutes longer than I thought I would. Um, <laughs> so, Grant, don't forget to stop the local recording and, okay. and, and end the stream when you're done. Not um, a problem. And then I'll get with you later on, and I'll try to get the file from you, and we'll clean it up and turn it into a podcast too. All um, right. Stop the show at some point. Yeah. Exactly. We could so talk a, for hours. Have a good hours. show, everybody, and thank you all for. Keeping the tradition alive. Yeah, and, and thanks All for right. being a real trooper here, Steve. I know how tired you were. Yeah. Take care right, of yourself. Uh huh. Take care, guys. Later, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Bye. Bye. Steve. Bye. So I understand some people have been having some trouble Bye, with Steve. a new. Bye, Steve. I'm gonna. Ha I have understand some people have been having some trouble with a new ma the uh, newest Mame, not the one that I built, which is primarily from Mac, but the uh, the latest binary releases out there. I don't know if it's uh, user confusion or whatnot, but there was one person posting on the Facebook group they're having trouble getting disks to mount. It looks like they figured it out, though. Um, what did you catch? What was the issue? Well, I think he was confused, which I have sent uh, a message in asking for a feature to be able to disable the software list because I don't think the software list should be popping up every time you launch a machine because that software list comes up and it pulls up a whole list of software most of which you know doesn't exist on your system I don't even know how to put stuff into the list but even if I did it would display tons of software there that's a bunch of it you know I don't run I don't want to run I'm not interested in running you know but yet this this software list displays every time I launch an emulation under MAME. And I think there ought to be a way of turning it off if you don't want to use that feature. Yeah, that would make sense to me. Yeah. But yet, so far, my response from the MAME devs is, oh, no, that's the way it's supposed to be, and we're not changing it. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I get that a lot. Yeah. Well, they're not into the ease of use thing. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is why... <laughs> this is why about once every year or six months for the Macintosh build, I take a copy of the, the main uh, source and I fork it off and then apply, uh, look for any of the bugs that are in there in that particular release, put, apply the patch backport patches to it, and then generally leave it alone for another six months to a year. Yeah, but we need somebody to do that for all the distributions, too. You'd need the Cocoa Pie version, the Mac version, the Windows version, the Linux version. Like they have, have the same issues, right? 
I, yeah. I do it for the Mac version. My uh, my Windows build environment is well, not it's far from ideal. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and my fork of Mame. Um, the only thing I did was added um, sixty three oh nine versions of the Coco twos and sixty three oh nine versions of the Drivewire systems too. Hmm. Interesting patch. Although, well, I guess hmm, once you run uh, the OS nine level one stuff, that's sixty three oh nine on under uh, under main. Yep, and then with the the uh, having the Coco three DW one with a version of that with which has the H on the end, makes it easier to start up in sixty three oh nine CPU mode with the drive wire support. So what uh, what build number is yours based off of? Um, whatever the current um, um, development branch is. Which I just was keep what? Mine, well, what the current sources? That's it's always the current sources. Oh, okay. Yeah, I found. Extremely bad luck doing that because stuff breaks and then they fix it and then it breaks and you know, it becomes extremely unstable. So I pull one of the source releases and then I go and hunt down the patches on the, the popular. Uh, the I hunt down the issues on the popular systems as patches comes out for patches come out for those specific issues. I backport the patches into my source. And then hold it at that release level until you know six months to a year later. I found that gives me a more stable, more you know, more reliable binary. So right now I've got a version that has the speech pack, and the floppy drives are working. Um, I've got a couple of features on the floppy drive which don't seem to be fully functional yet, but seem to somewhat work, which is not in the actual main release, although I shared the uh, the information with them, and that is, uh, right now on, on basic main release, you have the option of having quad density drives, and that's it. Um, I actually put it in so you could select a single-sided drive or a double-sided, uh, double-density drive, and other types of uh, drives to insert the disks into. Does does your version also support John Linville Soundcard like the main one does? Uh, what released? It? I don't think it does. Well, what release did that come out in? It might. Yeah, it's, it's a few months ago, but I can't remember what number it was. Do you remember, yep. Dave? No, I don't. How can I tell? It'll be in the um, slots. If you scroll through, it'll be like game something something something. I think I remember seeing it. Hold on, let me see. Were there any issues with that when it was first released, or does it work properly? Because that was not one of the things I tested, because it's not one of the things I know enough about to test. I think it's been tested, because I think John was encouraging people to use MAME for the development platform to write for the card if they didn't have the physical card. So it was pretty much working from the time it was initially released, then, I guess? Yeah, it was an existing sound chip in the MAME structure just wasn't hooked up to the cocoa properly uh, i see okay let me see if it's in here my release that i'm based off of is 
a late 186 going to 187. It was so. used in the uh, Coke, IBM PC Junior and the Coke uh, Tandy 1000, so that's why mm. it's in there. Okay. Let me see if it's in here. Because in theory, if somebody wants to take my stabilized build and build it for Windows, I don't take anything out to build it for Macintosh. If I have to make a change to the source to get it to build properly on Mac, I put if-defs in so that I don't touch on the other platforms. I don't touch how it builds on the other platforms. So in theory, I believe this should build on on Windows or any, uh, any uh, like the P, etc. So if any of you have a development environment, I can share my source. Yeah, it's the uh, under slots. If you scroll, keep scrolling through, it'll uh, it'll be, say Games Master. Games Master. Okay, let me see here. Ryan Joyce is one... definitely in point one nine zero. Let's see. Now, I've got one odd quirk in this version, which I think they fixed, but I haven't been able to backport the fix for that particular item. And that is when I go to change my slot devices, I have to go to the slot device menu and hit reset on the machine there once on my version. And once I do that there, and now I can change it. So let's see here. Let's try inserting something in slot three. Let's see. I have RS-232 pack, a program pack, a DC modem, a Coco 3 HDB1. Not quite sure what that is. The HDBC okay. is the uh, drive wire stuff. Oh, that, that's what that is. Okay. Um, Bank 16K Orchestra 90 pack. Uh, floppy disk controller, speech sound cartridge, Games Master. Yep, it's in there. And then that's it. Yep. So. so that'd be a nice stable build for Mac people that want to do development for the Game Master cartridge. Yep. It's it, I, I, If I see anything in here that is not, and I check it against real hardware, of course, with the exception of you know, a 6309, because I don't have a 6309, but... Yeah, I do have a Coco One and a Coco Three, and I check against the you know if there's a question about whether or not the emulator is correct, I run the same program or or, or diagnostic stuff on the actual hardware and re compare the results to the results on Mame and then fix it. And I actually do that on my build not just for Coco stuff. I also do it for um, some of the other systems. I generally have let's see here what do i what am i currently doing at least basic checking on i've got okay amiga so i have an amiga uh, 2000 and i also try to maintain the amiga 500 build as best as i can although i don't have an amiga 500 but it's very similar to the 2000 um Apple IIc, Apple IIe, Apple II Plus. Atari 800. All the color computer stuff that is 6809. Commodore 128, because I have one of those. Of course, IBM PC. I do some. Some of them, you know, some of them are too badly broken for me to get working. But 
I have some of them in here. Um, several of the Macintosh releases. And let's see. CI 994A, the TRS 80 Model 100, the Timex Sinclair 1000, and that's pretty much, and the ZX81 stuff. Those are the ones I try to, to check out and make sure they check out against the actual hardware. Is, is, your, is the link to your, your downloadable binary of it on Steve's site already, or...? Uh, my downloadable binary is in a couple places. I have it on a Google uh, a Google Drive, and I also have um, I send it to Tim Lindner, and he posts it on www.macmess.org. At one point, I was building a front end, but since then, the built-in stuff in SDL Mess has got and Mame has gotten to the point where the built-in user interface is fairly usable. So I've stopped maintaining my TCLTK front end up for it. And I now just maintain the, the, the binaries and build it for, for Mac. Okay, I just want to make sure that it's easily findable by people that are you know, coming to look for it later. What I don't post out there at the current time is the, the, source, the modified source code. Um, but it's certainly available if anybody wants it. Yeah. Okay, well, that kind of fell in with our discussion earlier about the emulators and the advantages and disadvantages or, or some of the bugs that we've been finding in various ones here, so that, that actually kind of fit the topic quite well. Grant, are we due for another commercial? Yep, I think we are. We push the button here and let's see what happens. Hello, I am David Ladd, and you are watching Coco Talk, the nation's leading live Coco podcast. What's going on, everybody? The original gamer Stevie Stroh here, and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. I'm not here. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you got to visit Amacoconut.com, your one stop shop for all the, of your candy the color the computer links chat needs. Show, there you'll I mean, find the, links to the YouTube is showing the audio. And project sites, yeah, and emulators, and downloads, and groups, and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com. That's I M A. Coconut.com. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Coco forever, people. All right, we are now back. Well, we apologize for talking over the commercial, but we did not know <laughs> that because we could not hear it. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that about it earlier because it's kind of the, the new setup with Grant hosting. He's still learning all this stuff. So we'll edit it in post, I think is the term. I think that's probably the best way to handle it. I hear an airplane. It's a helicopter going overhead outside. Uh-oh, they're <laughs> after you. Fix it in the they're mix. After somebody. <laughs> So, yeah, I do a lot of work on uh, on a bunch of emulators, uh, not just for the Coco scene. I just posted a uh, Macintosh system, uh, emulator that emulates a uh, Timex Sinclair 1000 on the Mac, which I built into a, uh, a Mac app package. It did not previously exist on the Mac and would not compile initially on the Mac, even as a command line program. So I managed to get it to compile, and then I built it into a, a .app package so that you can just put it on a Mac and launch it, and it runs. 
and I do that for a few different things. So I also built the there's a VCC package for Mac that's ba based on the line bottler. That's basically the Windows version of VCC that runs under Wine on Mac, and I put it I, I put it in the bottle and configured it so it would just launch. Yeah, I've been running that actually, and I've been having some crash problems with it. I'm not sure if it's because I'm running 6.0.9 Nitrous 9 and maybe some of the 6.0.9 instructions, which we know VCC doesn't properly handle, is causing the issues or not. But like if I boot up a VDG 32-column screen and then I try to hit the home key to clear off of it, it immediately crashes the emulator every time. Interesting. Uh, as I said, I don't usually even touch much the uh, the 6.3.0.9 stuff. So... I, I got a question. Really, no. Go ahead, Ron. All right. So, um, how does the emulator work? Do they take every command from uh, uh, 6309 or 6809, and then basically give each command a um, an, exec an executable uh, routine to um, so that when you run a program, <clears throat> how does how does it work? I, well, Barrier David probably could explain that better than I could. It, it, it basically does what you're talking about, uh, although it does do something. Some of them use, uh, some of the platforms use JIT, which is just-in-time compiling. So it actually sort of reads the original machine code as if it were like a compressed source code for what you want the program to do. And then it uses that to generate local machine code that does the same thing. Um it has it uses memory and other areas to simulate the registers in the CPU, etc. So it's almost like you're running it under an interpreter, sort of. That's basically what it does. And and when you try to access real hardware, it intercepts that and then makes the physical hardware on the box behave, hopefully reasonably close to what the the actual hardware would have behaved like. So if uh, 6809 has a, a complete set that's finite, then um, I, I don't understand why there's all the uh, trouble that it continues to um, occur. What are, what are the variables that um, cause things not to work? Are you talking about main here? Well, VCC even. Well, VCC, well, I think, is just incomplete at this point. The 6309 core was never fully finished. Right. Yeah, the, the VCC is not completed. It is probably, I would say, like 95 to 98% or something done. It works well enough to run almost all of your software, but it, it's, not, it's not what I would call a completed project. It certainly is functional, but... You know, we recently discovered that there was a particular operand that was not in it. Um, and actually, we found... We found yeah, some error emulation bugs, so too. For, so. for one of the operations recently, which we had to put a patch in for. Now, what happens, unfortunately, with MAME is you get... the, And this is why I fork off the source code and then backport fixes... You, you have all of these, you know, thousands of systems in there, and you have tons of systems that share the 6809 processor code. 
and somebody will go in for some other system and make what they think is the newest, neatest, uh, most fantastic, neat modification and upgrade to their system, but they don't check their code against you know the other systems that share that 6809 core. So they'll end up enhancing their emulation of their favorite system and breaking three others. And it is a bit of a problem. Unfortunately, the, the code on MAME doesn't get reviewed very well when it gets submitted. Um, you know, it just oftentimes, one of two things happens, actually, and it seems to be a fickle. Either, you know, it just gets submitted without being checked, or sometimes I'll submit something that's a legitimate fix, and I'll have to argue back and forth for a couple of weeks in order to get it into the code base. So... And it's not just the CPUs, too. It's also the the actual hardware chips, like the sound chips and the graphics chips and stuff, too, also gets modified. Why don't they separate? I've been coding for for the main code base for for years and years and years, and I jump in and out of it because I get tired of the, the, excuse me, but the politics. And so what I have taken to doing in the last few years is I pull off a copy of the source, I fork it, I backport the fixes into it. I report the fixes to the main devs that, okay, I fixed this, I fixed that. Hopefully, a lot of my fixes will get applied. If they don't, I keep the diff files in the notes so that when I go to pull it off again off of the current source six months to a year later, I've got my notes on what didn't get fixed. I still have to go in and apply the fixes myself. Well, thanks for doing that. Yeah, because they don't really code freeze it. It's almost like it's a continuously updated branch. And like you said, they don't do a lot of back checking on other systems using the same core pieces that have changed. Yeah, and that's what I do with mine is I code freeze it. And you know, and then I only I don't apply very much in the way of new features unless it's like a feature that you really need to effectively use the system. I just try to make it easy to use and I fix the broken parts. Well, isn't isn't VCC a better idea than being standalone? Well, yes and no. Okay, um, the thing, the problem with VCC, it has two problems currently. There are fewer devs that are working on VCC than there are working on the main code base for the color computer in there. So, and they and they're doing a lot less time. You know, they're spending a lot less time on it. I have had a very high learning curve with trying to do anything with VCC, and I haven't gotten a lot of response back from the devs when I ask questions about how does this work, how do I add that, etc. So I tried to become involved with it, but, you know, I just couldn't get enough background in, you know, how it's laid out and whatnot to really get my teeth into it. Other than I couldn't, you know, there was a problem a while back with the keyboard, and I was able to find the issue, and I was able to report the issue, but I'll be damned if I was able to track it down and fix it like I often do with MAME, because the way the code was laid out, I couldn't figure out what the heck was going on with it. And I think part of that is because there's incomplete pieces in there that are sitting there that just don't function yet. So, it's Also, like, it's very Windows-centric in its current code base, is it not? Um, yes and no. Um, I've pointed out to the uh, the VCC folks a couple times as a very easy way to get a uh, if you if you're 
you're working and you're familiar with that code, there's a very easy way to get a cross-platform build. And that is rather than using a wine bottle, which is what I've done to get the current release out there for the Mac users and you know whatnot, and you know you can also wine wine it on uh, and run under wine on on Linux. What you can actually do is during the build process, you can go and link it against a wine library, so that what you end up with is your source code thinks that it's running and compiling on a Windows machine, but actually it doesn't need Wine then to run because you're linking against library calls that do the translation for you. So you end up with a Mac or a Linux native binary, but your, your, your code thinks it's compiling on Windows. Hello, I am David Ladd, and you are watching Coco Talk, the nation's leading live Coco podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness gameplay Color Computer goodness. Gaming DVD today, gameplay head on over to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring Color Computer Gameplay videos by the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Well, you know, it's a good thing Steve's gone. <laughs> yeah, we would have put him to sleep even earlier then. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I, I enjoy talking about this sort of stuff. I know that a lot of people find it, you know, boring whatnot. I'm hoping there's enough people out there that find it interesting, you know. Um, I'm also hoping that maybe we can get some more people involved with uh, the VCC project and maybe get some, some information going there about, you know, uh, you know, some some yeah, finishing it up and fixing it up and yeah. Um, I use VCC. That's all I use, and uh, I've really never had any problems with anything that I've used on it. And I've kind of enjoyed the the only thing the the interface for the floppies are is a little clunky because it takes a long time. You have to go back and forth, uh, unload and load. I suppose that's the best way to do it compared to any other way. But um, <clears throat> you know. It seems to work fine. I even tried the cassette part of it, and that works good. I don't v VCC is, as I said, 90 plus, yeah. you know, like 98% complete. It is generally functional, um, and it works fairly well, and it is user-friendly. If you are trying to debug code or get something that is accurate to the heart, it's, it's, it's functional, but it's not accurate. Yeah. There are actually things that will run on VCC that do not run on the actual hardware. Cave Walker on uh, Nitrous 9 uh, Level 2 being one of them, interestingly enough. <laughs> um, it, it runs quite happily on VCC, but it will not run on MAME, and it will not run on the real iron. Yeah. So It definitely does have issues with the 639 core not being complete, as David and I discovered when we were working on this ease-of-use Nitrous 9 pre-built hard drive image, too, with you know all the multi-view stuff set up. I think um, you were saying that hitting the home key off of the 32 columns screen causes screen. it to blow up. Yeah, it, it did, at least in mine. Also, we found out some of the palettes on the VDG screens, like if you change the palettes there, it doesn't change them properly in VCC. Like I know we have our REL module right now doing white on dark blue to make it nice and easy to read on a, even an RF TV out. 
and on uh, VCC it comes out black on dark blue for some stupid reason. That's interesting. It's fine on MAME. It's fine on the actual hardware. On VCC, it's almost unreadable. <laughs> You're saying that Cave, goes by, Cave Walker does not work on, on machines? Cave Walker does not function on Nitrous 9 Level 2 oh. on, on real hardware. It works fine on OS 9 Level oh. 2 on okay. real hardware. Yeah. All right, so, so if I, you want to see Cave Walker run on a Coco 3 with a Coco 3 features... You have to boot an OS 9 level 2 disk, not a Nitrous 9 level 2 disk. Okay. Yeah, until we figure out exactly how to fix it. I mean, my, I did a little hack so it will run and not freeze the machine, but it doesn't play properly. Yeah, apparently it's using that interrupt for some sort of timing. Yeah. And the hack that was put in there, which basically no-ops out a couple codes that enable the interrupt, now the thing just goes wild and starts running wide open, and it runs actually much faster than it should. What I understand. Yeah, David, you tried that. I think, if I remember correctly, I think even if you do the uh, slowdown poke, it's still running too fast. Or, well, it's it's just yeah, it's running still a little bit fast. But then, of course, you're getting a lot of graphical flicker. Oh right, yeah, because it's not timing the screen flips between page flipping. So. I mean, one way to patch it would be for rewrite it or just change a few of the spots or just to use the uh, VRN driver, which is what a lot of other, you know, Coco 3 games use for that specific purpose, like Flight Sim 2 and, and the Sierra games, because it, it does the same style of thing. But as, as you've pointed out and Dave has pointed out, uh, it did used to work on OS 9 level 2, so something in the IRQ handling for the timers, the 60 hertz clock has changed. And that might have been all of Alan's mods when he was speeding up all the IRQ handlers. Well, it wouldn't be... I mean, it's the only game that sits here and has a problem on Nitrous 9 level 2. So, yeah, which is why I've been, I've been kind of pushing it, my, my, my own head that I would just want to patch it to run with VRN. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm fine with that. I don't have a good enough understanding of the, of the game and Nitrous 9 to do that myself um, on a kernel level. Um, I have written some device drivers and done some patches to stuff. I could probably get the understanding I would need to do that, but it would be a learning curve. Um, you know, I can write OS 9 and Nitrous 9 applications effectively, um, but when it starts getting into the, uh, the interrupt handling in the core of the system, I get a little lost. <laughs> <laughs> so Understandable. It took Bill and me and, and Alan and Wes quite a while to get through all that ourselves. So, how old is Mame? Mame oh, is decades, a, decades. Yeah, it's a pretty old project. It's it started it, out in is, DOS, put it that way. Which which is why it surprises me that it doesn't. You know that they still have all these issues and it doesn't work better than it does. Yeah, I have an old version. What was that? I have a way old version. I have, you know, I haven't tried it for fifteen years, maybe. Well, if it still runs and it does what you want it to do, then this may not be a bad thing in main world. <laughs> so, yeah, because yeah, the other the other issue which I actually we forgot to bring up earlier um, is that every once in a while when they do an update to main, all of a sudden you got to redo your ROMs, even though the ROMs and the Coco haven't changed in thirty five years. Well, not yeah, so much the Coco, but some of the other systems they'll add 
um, like this extra PAL chip or something or a dump for that rather than using code even on the cocoa, I've, I've, there's been a few times in you know between 0.15 to, to 0.19x or whatever where I've had to redo the ROMs because the CRC doesn't match. We haven't changed the Cocoa ROM since 1986 on the Cocoa 3 and 1983-84 on the Cocoa 1. So why what do, do they do? do they, uh, what do they do? Mess with the way the ROMs were split up? I'm possibly that, or maybe they change their seriously function. I have no idea, to be honest. I just know that it does break every once in a while. You have to go get a redone version of it, which is stupid. Part of the reason I stayed away from MAME is because there was that uh, ROM issue. You know, at first, we didn't know whether or not uh, you can get copies of the ROMs and it was like you had to go to a, a website had it you know and it was like uh, kind of clandestine you know my, my ROMs are dumped off of my physical machines yeah so. that's how um, that's how they were supposed to be done but there was always people that you know had their ROMs available because they already did it and under the circumstances I doubt you know I'm, I'm trying to get official releases. You know, this is another thing that I've been working on on the side. I've, I got official releases for the TI-99-4A stuff. Apple released their Apple II ROMs years ago. Um, so those those are out there. You can legally run an Apple II emulator. You don't have to be all clandestine about it. Um, and the TI-99 stuff, um, the ROMs were released um, several years ago. Um, but the color computer, because of the tie-up between Microsoft and Microware and Tandy, you know, I'm still trying to see if I can get somebody to authorize those ROMs being available. And so far, I have not had much luck, but I'm still working on it. I wish you all the luck in the world in that project. I also don't hold my hopes high to get all three companies to agree. Now, the other thing we could conceivably do, you know, the Amiga folks did this because they got generally disgusted with the situation on the Amiga ROM. Um, so there's the AROS project, and they actually rewrote the ROM code. I mean, that that's a phenomenon I'm quite familiar with because that's exactly what we did in Nitrous 9. Um, originally, Nitrous 9 was a patch program that would patch the existing OS 9 code. And eventually, we changed enough of the code. We kind of went, you know what? This is kind of a new original thing. It doesn't run on the original machine at all anymore because it required the 6 turn on. This is before we... Boise and then you know backported Nitrous Nine to the six eight oh nine again, so that became back in it. But we got it different enough. I think it was about one one six or something like that that we decided just to release as a as a separate OS because we'd added calls and changed calls and and changed all the underlying code, so it wasn't the same OS anymore. But I think it would be technically, I think possible for most stuff. There's most games don't call too many routines in the ROM. They only make certain calls to certain entry points. So if we made something that was compatible with the color computer ROM that had those entry points and the functions were the same, yeah, it might be possible to recode the ROM and then have our own ROM that would basically run everything or most everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like the, the DOS extensions like ADOS and ADOS 3, which kind of did the same thing compared to the original disk basic 1.0, 1.1. Right, so I love ADOS. Right, so we already have a couple replacement DOSs. ADOS has been released for general use, yep. so that's no longer covered by by any copyright. 
well, it's covered by a copyright, but it's been released for... Yeah, uh, Arthur was really nice and released. I think he even released Extended ADOS 3, which is like a, a 16K yeah. ROM. Yes, he actually had the harder time releasing the original ADOS. There's a story behind that, if anybody wants to hear it. Why not? Okay, well, <laughs> he, he went to release the original ADOS, and I was inquiring about it, and I didn't realize he was having trouble. And so I had ADOS 3, and I, yeah, it was... And I said, by the way, I sent him an email. Do you have, can I get, you know, what's, what's up with the original ADOS? How come I can't find that anywhere on the download site? He's like, oh, well, the problem is that I've got the floppy disks, but I actually don't have any hardware that can read it, and I'm not sure that they'll read anymore. So I actually don't have a readable copy that I can read. So he chatted back and forth with me for a while, and he ended up, what he did was he mailed me his, I had for a while in my possession, his original, um, from the author, ADOS discs, which I was able to get to read on my system. So I read them and put them into a DSK file and sent them back to him and then made them available. Okay, cool. So, that's the, that's the story behind that. If it, because I, I was going out, I looked all over the place. I could not find a copy. And Arthur was also like, hey, find me. A, I don't care how, you know, whether they've got it legitimately, illegitimately, or whatnot. <laughs> Is there a copy out there somewhere? And neither one of us could find one. So I ended up rescuing it off the original discs. And then I uploaded it after a while after that. I uploaded it to the Cocoa Archive, and then the rest is history. So. Yeah, I mean, there were several versions of ADOS, too. So, I mean, I did have a copy, but it was an older one than what the final release was. So, that wouldn't have been as useful. Well, this was straight off of Arthur's disc, so it should be the last one that was released. So, but, yeah, the, the good thing about that is the ADOS 3 does not run very well on a Coco 2 or Coco 1, but ADOS 1 does. Yeah. We should pause for station identification at some point. Yeah, I was just going to mention that myself. <laughs> <laughs> and a reminder to everybody who's, who's newer on the call here, this is going out live stream, so if you can either mute your mics or just not say much or make any noise in the background because it'll go out over top. All right, here we go with the messages. Hi, this is Mark Overholzer, and you're listening to Coco Talk, the nation's leading weekly live talk show about the Tandy Color Computer. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness gameplay Color Computer goodness. Gaming DVD today, gameplay head on over goodness. to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring Color Computer Gameplay videos by the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. All right, guys, we are back. So another thing I've been trying to facilitate ease of use to the community with, is that, which I haven't done much work on it recently, but I've got some code that I've been futzing around with, is which is going to be essential, I think, because yeah, I think even the uh, that M shell extension to build a boot track that um, that uh, I forget build his last yeah. Bill Pierce. Bill Pierce. Yeah, right. Um, I, I think even I think it still relies on the low-level commands like OS9 Gen to actually 
put a track in place. It just builds the lists and, and puts the modules in position. And I think it still calls OS 9 Gen to actually build the boot. And OS 9 Gen has some issues, which we were discussing recently on the mailing list, that it works fine on floppy disks, but when you go to build a boot for anything that is not a 35-track single-sided drive, it gets a little confused. It's supposed to have code in there to handle it, but it doesn't seem to work quite right. I think David has some experience with that, too. It, it all has to do with how the disk basic equivalent ROM is reading the geometry of the drive when it goes to boot, when you type the DOS command, okay? So you're, you're going to become, either you're going to be coming in from a dedicated boot ROM, which is dedicated to boot uh, OS 9, or you're coming in from a modified disk basic that has access to those hard drives. And when it does that, it in, you know, the, it's presenting it to disk basic a section of that drive as if, as if it's a floppy and how it does that and where it thinks track 35 is on the physical device where it thinks that map where the track 35 on the floppy image that it has maps to on the actual physical drive has to agree with what OS 9 gen does when it lays down that that boot track that it that the DOS command tries to load first. Yep. I can tell you that I remember when I had my original Coco 3 and I tried to US, use OS 9 Gen on a 40-track double-sided disk. It would report an error that it couldn't find track 35 or something like that. Really? 34 or whatever it was. So the only thing I could do was use a 35-track single-sided so that it would do the boot track correctly. This must have been on a very early version of OS 9. I've never experienced that particular a, problem. I just remember it was OS 9 level 2, and I was using config, and I tried to format, or I tried to use a 40-track double-sided disk, and it reported an error that it couldn't find the track. And it yeah, I, wonder if, I wonder if you had the device descriptors and everything lined up right for... Uh, being double-sided because I've successfully built it does have code in there which does work for double-sided floppy disk. Yeah, I've done that too. And, and well, it, it, it does build. <laughs> but that was in 1989, so I don't know if that was a earlier or later version of Maybe Level they, 2. I bought it all in 1989 from Radio Shack. I had one that I have from, from Radio Shack also and that has always worked, but maybe you got a release that was earlier and they had applied a patch to it or whatnot. Maybe. Yeah, Double-sided floppy disks are, are supported. Um, but yeah, It's uh, a really hard, large hard drive images where it kind of goes wonky. Yeah, when you, when you don't, two, two heads it can deal with, but when you start doing with three or four heads or eight heads, then it gets mightily confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured yeah. it was probably the difference between a 35-track 35, 35 or a 40-track. That's what no, because it just it just it just uses it track thirty five. It just yeah. ignores. Yeah, it, the only it, the only thing special it has to do is it has to lock out track thirty five, which normally is at the end of the disc yeah. on a thirty five track drive. But on a forty or eighty track drive, it just locks that track out, and that that does work. I have used that. Yeah, okay. I've done that too. I've been able to make forty track double sided floppy disks boot. 
um, mm. without really any issues. So you must have gotten an early buggy version or something, or maybe or it was something. something you did that you didn't I just have. Know, yeah, after I got that error, I just started doing 35 track single sided boot discs. And usually so. that would be, you know, would, fi would be fine. But, you know, I actually had, I made uh, 80 track double sided boot discs on the original OS 9. Of yep. course, I've done I did that with three and a half. Yeah, because I, I did not want to have to sit there and stick one disc in the boot and then have another disc with all my utilities on it. So I would use uh, a quad density drive and and have it make an 80-track double-sided boot disc, and I have space for all of my utilities and whatnot to go on that disc so I could actually do something without having to switch the disc all the time. That would have been nice to be able to do. I had two 40-track 360K drives, and one 720K three and a half inch drive. And I really wished at the time that I could have made an 80 track disc bootable. But I figured since I couldn't make a 40 track bootable, I wasn't gonna be able to do a four, an 80 track. Well, yeah, the, it does the, it does work because we we did that at work. That was our main at the, boot. At the, at the latest release versions of OS9 that were released by Radio Shack, and I think probably the version the, the day after maybe you bought yours, I don't know. Um, they, they, they definitely, that was working. So it is so that's, It's possible. weird because when I bought mine, it was 1989, which was like three years after the Coco 3 came out. And they were discontinuing it. They were selling off the ones they had and uh, discontinuing the color computer. So you would so, think I would have gotten the latest version. Well, there's two possibilities, okay? Device one possibility, <laughs> one possibility is how much dust was on that copy when you picked it up? <laughs> you know, how long that you I can, can recall. <laughs> how, how long was it sitting there on the store shelf, and maybe they dusted it off really well? That's a good question, because I don't know. And I mean, another, another possibility is that it does sometimes get a little wonky with making sure that you have the device driver mode set properly on the device descriptor to match the type of drive that you have. So if you try to make, for instance, if you take a, a disc and you format it double-sided, but then you you forget what you, you know, and you go and you put it aside and you come back and you boot your system back up again and your system is boot defaulting to a single-sided device descriptor. And well, I do know and, that... And you don't I go back to and change that device descriptor again to double-sided. Okay. I know that I had to build a boot file that contained the 40-track descriptors, and I did. So, right. I'm so, And I was able to read and write and format, so I'm assuming that the problem was an OS 9 gen. Format will actually go and override the... Uh, it can actually override the device descriptor as far as double versus single, I think. But um, when you go to do an OS 9 gen... It goes out. It gets a little wonky when it wants the device descriptors to match the physical devices, mm. and if they don't, then it can. That get could be a DD versus D zero too. If you had one descriptor set to double sided and the other one to single sided, and then you chose, I mean, the point yep. of the same drive, but you you pointed to the wrong one to tell OS nine gen to run. That would confuse it as well. Well, that yep. was so why I always made sure I chose the same descriptors. Well, okay, so like it was I DD said, DD underscore forty. D0 underscore 40, and D1 underscore 40. Well, like I said, it definitely, do, that does work, and, you know, you know, so that's, you know, it was either you've got 
a buggy version that had been sitting on the shelf for Lord knows how long. And it wasn't it wasn't patched, and Radio Shack never really did a very good job of announcing their OS nine updates. Mm-hmm. So it was whatever you happened to grab, and then if you were you know watching the community and whatnot, says, oh yeah, there's a patch to this module, and you download it. You know, they, they didn't exactly send out official notices to their customers. So you either got an early release that had a problem with that, or, like I said, there are a few you know, snags and pitfalls that you could catch you up when you're doing a double-sided disc if you don't watch out. But I want to I give an important heads up to all of you guys out there with a Coco SDC to make an S- a bootable SDC image. I found a very simple way with the existing Nitrous 9 and OS 9 code to make a bootable large SDC disk. And it has to do with the way that SDC, the Coco SDC, handles large disk images. And it has to do with the way that OS 9 um, likes to put stuff on track 35. And the simple answer is this. Okay. Make your disk image single-sided 18 sectors per track but then as many tracks as you want and you should be have no problem making it bootable hi i'm mike rowan and you're watching the original gamer stevie stroh and when you're done watching come over and listen to the coco crew podcast hi this is john linville and neil blanchard we are the coco crew i hope you're enjoying watching stevie stroh play video games especially the coco games and when you're done with that Check out our podcast at CocoCrew.org. Where can you catch all the latest news and information about the daily color computer and compatibles? Oh yeah. I'm talking about the Cocoa Crew Podcast. Dig it each month. Join John. Mike as they lay down the latest news and information about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer and Compatibles. Grooved interviews, tech segments, and discussions all about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer. Strut your fine self over to www.cococrew.org and start listening today. Coco Crew Podcast. Keeping it Coco Dig. David, let's talk to the floppy guy here. Is that correct? David or not. disappeared. David. <laughs> I guess he did. David's gone poof. I can tell you in my actual <laughs> practice, if you download my virtual hard drive that I have on the Cocoa Archive site, okay? Or you downloaded it from Google Drive and you go and you do a free, or you check the disk geometry on that, you'll see that it is 18 sectors per track, single-sided, but then it has a whole bunch of tracks. I forget how many tracks it, it worked out to be. Um, Basically up, up to the 128 make limit, right? Right. Yeah, so it gets up, I, I think it gets up very, very close to that um, it, what it, I did as I sized it so that it was the HDB DOS has a default for its offset where it starts its disk, uh, its disk basic uh, virtual disks. So I managed to get it up to the size 
where HDB DOS would have that offset and fill up that space. Yeah, that, that that is a good tip because a lot of the you know some especially level one utilities if you're trying to run them under level two were based on the old 35 track drives because there wasn't even hard drives at the beginning there. So that uh, making it all one, you know, basically a really long lot of tracks floppy, but the same specs as the original floppy drive did would solve that problem. You don't have to worry about you know multiple sides and or more than two sides, I should say. So that would so, be a nice solution. Yeah. So so whatever you know, whatever you're booting off of before you build your other disk, when you insert it into the second Coco SDC drive, edit the descriptor. You know, so that the, your descriptors that you're putting in your boot and your descriptor that you're using to access that second image or you're trying to build your bootable disk, make sure to set the sides equal to one and set the, the sectors per track for track zero set to 18 and the sectors per track for all other tracks to 18. And then you can set the track count to pretty much whatever you can manage to cram in there. Although there's a certain number that I use that fits the HDB DOS offset size. I forget that number off the top of my head. I'll have to look it up. But if you download one of my images, you can look at it and see. Um, and then you should be able to make, you know, use the existing utilities to make bootable floppies without them choking. Or bootable SDC images, rather. Large SDC images without them choking. And practically speaking... Um, yeah, you could probably get them to be bigger um, if you could use more heads and more sectors. But, well, currently I have every OS 9 thing that I could possibly think of crammed onto that image, and I have yet to run out of space. So, Yep, that's a good tip if you're doing the virtual hard drives. Grant, did you have any other things that you can think of to talk about? Anything you saw on Facebook? Uh or even in nope. the chat and Discord? <laughs> <laughs> nope, I think we pretty much covered it today. Did, uh, what about Richard or Jim? Did they want to talk about anything on their projects or anything like that? Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. Crickets want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Might stir up the parrot with that cricket sound there, I don't know. <laughs> now we got a gecko too, he'd get stirred up. That's funny. I don't know who's doing that, but that's funny. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and drop off of here then, folks. Hey, well, thanks right. for stopping by. Yeah, thanks. I got uh, some information out there for the community regarding how to make a bootable Coco SDC image and discussed a little bit about what's going on with the uh, you know, status of uh, mess, main, etc. So. <clears throat> yeah, and then talking about the emulators was one of our topics for the tech talk too so that kind of fit in well later folks yep later, later. Happy, happy turkey day coming up next week yep uh, us canadians did it last month already but sure <laughs> <laughs> thanks barry and i don't know if there's anything much much more i can think of um we kind of went through some of the stuff on facebook we went through some of the stuff that was on the list um I can't remember. I didn't get a chance to check Discord as much as I normally do, so I don't know what all topics were talked in there, except for the Forest of Doom stuff we covered at the beginning. Oh, David um, Ladd's back. He missed the floppy talk. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I uh, installed Discord on my laptop, 
And when I went to log in, it told me that the the text chats weren't available. The server was down. The server was down earlier. I was watching Discord here, and I actually had a big exclamation mark and said the server was temporarily available. It does appear to be back online now, though. Oh, okay. Good, because uh, I'm trying to grab the file that, uh, uh, I think it was, yeah, that Bill sent me last night, the source code to ribs. So, okay. Yeah, it was down for about half an hour. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on there, but. Yeah, he, uh, Bill gave me a clue last night on what might be going on with the reason that the page pause isn't working. <clears throat> so I'm making that change right now, and I'm in the next minute or so, well, a couple of minutes or so, I'll be able to tell you whether the change worked or not. Okay, yeah, and then if it does work, if you want to send me a copy of the code at that point. I did send you one test file, too. Yeah, I got that. I've got to download it. I just have I haven't... Uh, done that yet because I wanted to make this change first and see what was going to happen with my test program. Yeah. No no big rush. Like I, I got too busy this week to do too much of anything COCA related anyway. So I'm a bit behind schedule. So yeah. no rush. So Yeah, I haven't done just much. Just if I get this thing working because I really hate it when I've got a program that works and then something breaks and I got to try to figure out why. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the bugging. Not my favorite chore yeah. either. Ron, did you have something? Yeah, just um, I've been working on the Rainbow Magazine still, and um, I'm trying to. I'm gonna condense some of the text down, but um, I do need uh, more contributors from anybody. If you want to write up something about your own, how you guys um, got into being a um, cocoa enthusiasts, you know, or anything, <laughs> um, maybe even uh, small topics on something or. Just any old thing, um, even maybe one-liners or something. Um, we had talked about that or putting peaks and pokes in there or something. Anyway, um, I do have a I have the write-up coming from uh, Mr. Moore on his game, and um, he said he's busy right now. But when he's done, he's going to write something up on how it came about, and we'll put that in there. So maybe down down the road as we get closer to uh, Coco Fest, we can have something published for it. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm hoping to get some time to help contribute some stuff too. I just haven't had it happen yet. I, I'm normally in dead season right now where I don't have much work at all, and that's not been the case this year. <laughs> but, but that's a good, oh, yeah. good, good Christmas for Curtis. Well, I'll have more money to spend at Coco Fest, so that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Ron, don't forget to collaborate with Steve Batson, who's doing the the uh, you know the uh, magazine site. Yes. Yep. So. I've talked to him a couple times. Yep. Yeah, and um, he's taken some of the stuff off of what I have and you know, put it on there. I think, or he's going to. Or he did. You know, I had trouble while logging onto that. Some reason, and Steve helped a bit, so I think I'm okay now. Okay, everyone, I've just got back. Been a busy uh, morning. <laughs> a I thought you were just morning. sleeping because we're talking about OS9. <laughs> Can you uh, just wind back and start again because I missed it all? Yeah, we'll, we'll go right into the OS9 Nitrous 9 discussion for the next hour and a half well, again. Okay, there goes my internet connection. 
<laughs> and I've been moving furniture and getting ready for a moving house this week, and I haven't been able to stay on. I just got back. Yeah, actually, there was a, a, a question in the YouTube chat how Gunstar was going, and I just mentioned until your moving stuff's all finished, yeah, it's not yeah. going. So, gone nowhere at this point. You're no Nick Marionettes. You can't get it done in a weekend. No, no, that's right. I can only aspire to that guy. <laughs> Did you get your internet connections issues figured out, or? Uh, well, I'm going to use the the phone, uh, tethered phone, uh, like we tested last week. Uh, that'll have to do. I can only do minimal uh, internet over the next two months. Uh, but I'll be organising a, a proper connection once we've moved into the other place. So it should be back to normal in February, March. Good. Okay. Do you, do you guys have um, satellite internet over there? Um. Well, we've got what they call ADSL 2 Plus at this place at the moment that we're going to, but they tell us we're going to get this, what we got we call the National Broadband Network, the new NBN, which is half um, optic, half copper. It's not, you know, a lot of people complain that it's not a proper um, optical feed all the way through, but it's the fastest we got anyway, so... Hopefully, they're going to install it before I move in. <laughs> hey, Otherwise, I'll be going heard, on a slower connection. Have you guys heard of uh, this new um, network they're going to use? Uh, jet aircraft that's flying all over the earth, everywhere. And they're going to have transponders on the planes, and it's going to be internet everywhere. You know well, Google has been that? fiddling with that with balloon, or was it was it Google was doing the balloon thing for a bit? Is either them or Facebook, one of the two. Brian Joyce in the chat said, NBN is no Google Fiber. No, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, but Google Fiber isn't exactly widespread either. No, that's the thing. Is the Even NBN the is only new out here. Not everyone's got it, but apparently they're going to be installing it um, before the end of the year in the area where my our new place is. So hopefully they'll do that. Otherwise, I'll have a slow connection, but at least well, it'll what be... Was your what was your old connection? Yeah, what we call cable, so it's a separate connection. I don't know what the proper terms are. They call it cable network over here. So that's what I have at this old place at the moment um, until yeah, until I move over there. Hopefully, they'll have this NBN. Oh, it just would be nice to have you fully moved in so you can get back to work on your, your projects again. Yeah, that's right. I haven't fired up the cocoa in ages. Hey, when you get a, a chance to put it together, send it to uh, the um, group I made to show your cocoa off. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, it's not a, a showable uh, <laughs> place. But, um, yeah, when when I'm set up, I'll do that. Cool. Yeah, i got to get, get on that, too, but I have to clean up my area, too, because it's yeah. got a bunch of pack storage crap in front of it right now, too, because I shut my cocoa down before my rush season started. Hey, um, Nick, when you uh, plug your cocoa in, do you have uh, adapters on your cocoa, or what's that look like? Um, adapters? You have different, different voltage, right? Oh, um, well, yeah, we run 240 volt over here as opposed to 110. It's a different plug style. But, of course, if you have a PAL color computer, well, that's fine. It just plugs straight in. But I am running a uh, an American NTSC 
color computer. Um, and what I found is I could take, I can simply unscrew the um, American 110 transformer from inside the color computer and replace it with a 240 volt transformer from a um, from a power color computer. It plugs into the same places uh, on the motherboard, fire it up and it's been working perfectly. So it, it, it's working fine with no adapters. I wonder if that's something you'd want to share and maybe uh, show to put in the rainbow or well, something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I could open the computer up and take a few photos and just, yeah, show that it is possible. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I found the road. You get the time and space to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because our power runs at 50 hertz and yours are at 60, and I thought that would be a problem, but that's working perfectly. Is it running at 50 or 60 when you substitute the transformer? Then I would presume 50, right? Well, it's taking in 50 hertz, but I guess it's all rectified anyway. Uh, and, the 50, you know, it's all rectified. It's just DC voltage at the end of it all. So that wouldn't make a difference. Uh, the ROMs in a PAL color computer 3, the ROMs have been modified slightly so that it boots up in 50 hertz mode, sets the gimme to 50 hertz. Um, but this one, being an American one, has the American ROMs, so it's booting up in 60 hertz, and it works fine. Oh, cool. Yeah. That way, the, the whole idea is that I can, since the, the largest market for color computer software is in the US, uh, I figured it's probably wise I actually have the same computer as, as, as the largest market, so... Yeah, good idea. Forget Canada. Yeah, we got uh, 60 hertz here too. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the same what, in Canada. So the entire Western Hemisphere, I think, is on the same grid, isn't it? No. Um, or is it just uh, North America and Central? Just North America. Well, and it's spotty. There's actually a map I looked at uh, one time. Uh, I was trying to find somebody had a uh, an Apple II that was NTSC, but it was 50 hertz and 240 volts, and it's like huh? weird. But yeah, there's only like four countries that have that particular setup. So. Hey, um, Stud, um, when you guys have that 240 going, do you have less of a chance of having the line fluctuate and cause problems, or does it matter? Oh, yeah, I think the fluctuations nothing to do with 50 or 60 hertz, though. The power here is, is fine. I never get it to fluctuate. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably more another issue as to the quality of the of the power coming into the um to the house i haven't what's had any what's the amperage like you know do oh. you have uh, you have circuit breakers don't you or yeah yeah we have circuit breakers uh, and what are they rated? well well 20? Uh, older houses have the old fuses of course but nowadays they're all circuit breakers yeah well how many amps are they rated for like 30 20 or is it much higher because of 240? Uh, I'm not too sure. It, it probably is. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's up to 30, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that. Okay. Just wondered. As long as my cocoa works, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> That's right. Do you guys get power outages on occasion or? Oh, yeah. Always pretty In storms, steady. maybe you might get a power cut, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty common. 
because the voltage is around the so much, they can get by with half the amperage to get the same amount of work or wattage out of it. Yeah. Okay. All our power lines are on, or most of our power lines are all on um, poles, you know, wires. So uh, I think that's the same in the U.S., isn't it? Most places, yes. Yeah, yeah. Underground. not where I live. Some places have underground services. Yeah, yeah the new places like go underground. Yeah, because right, it looks same here. It's, it's newer areas have the underground and the uh, yeah, old areas yeah, have the overground. So, you know, you get power edges because some of those poles and the suspended wires have been there so long and or, or a storm comes and blows something a tree falls over knocks out a power line you know the usual yep. Yep. Uh, events of nature or your once in a while squirrel decides to jump across the two poles <laughs> <laughs> it, it tries to be acrobatic and touch two wires at a time does it yeah <laughs> the squirrel's electrifying well, personality yeah, there's Christmas pudding. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> They're good in soup. <laughs> oh, well, there'll be a chicken the tappy uh, if, when that happens. <laughs> Better him than me. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if there's anything else much more to discuss here because we're starting to wander into the weeds. <laughs> well, I think we've been there I, I for quite a while. I right here. I'm going to try and do some sketching on my computer. I see Jim's here, so whether we have our little discussion about uh, the future of the uh, 8 meg upgrade, I don't know. Well, we'll probably do that off off the show, I think. Oh, okay, it's, yeah. That's still in raw discussion mode, so. Yeah, that's right, and there's a fair bit of swearing in that, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have we killed this one, you think? I think so. Yep. I think it's time to put it to pasture. Yep. There right. is a short show. <laughs> <laughs> Only when you show up late. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And there, he, and there is no in bumper uh, bumper for me, so I will just uh, kill the stream right here. Bye. You should have okay. went the room. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. We are off of YouTube now. Thanks for listening to another episode of Coco Talk. We certainly hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, why not check us out on the web at cocotalk.live where you can watch video replays of all of our live episodes as well as send us feedback and suggestions for the show. We'd certainly love to hear from you. Until next week, I'm the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. Keep on cocoing. Coco forever. Have a Coco day. And bye-bye, everybody. Oh.